Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. Every time I say 2020, I can't believe it. It's a Everything weird, wild so future. Fast. I yeah. keep thinking of Dateline. So. That, and I haven't actually been on an actual episode in three weeks, and that's a long time for me. Because, mm. you know, I got stuck, and then um, we did Film Explosion. Spider-Man. <sighs> that was tough, even for us. Yeah, yeah I just uh, that day was... Um, uh, did I tell you a story about the missing kid? No. Uh, so this mom went uh, rafting with her family, and uh, her two daughters were singing at like the rafting uh, orientation thing, and the son got embarrassed. And so she, the mom said, well, if you don't want to do it with us and you're going to be that way, you can stay here and wait for us, and we're going to go rafting. So um, they went on a rafting tour, and they came back two hours later, and the son wasn't there. So he's 16. It's not like he's, oh. you know, four. <laughs> and uh, But he acted like a four-year-old. And so she looked for him around town for like an hour. Then she came by the PD at 4.58. I get off at 5. And she said, I can't find my son. I said, okay. So I searched the city for about two and a half hours. Couldn't find him. Um, set out what we call a, uh, a red call, which calls every or like code red, something like that, where it basically calls every number listed in the county and lets them know, hey, be on the lookout for this kid. This is what he's wearing. Um, nothing. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I can't find him anywhere. So then I put out um, one to every county in Colorado because his family's from Colorado Springs. And so uh, at about 1030 at night, now I've been there since seven in the morning. I said, this sucks. So I'm going to go back. And I just said, okay, I can't find him. I'm, I don't know if I'll ever find him. 
So I back the PD and the phone rings and it says Jeffco Telecom 911. I went in the heck. So I answer it and uh, I say, you know, Idaho Springs Police. And this person on the other line says, uh, I'm a missing person. <laughs> um, <laughs> this kid got so mad at his mom. Did you know you, uh, you might not know this? There is a bike path from Idaho Springs all the way to the city of Golden. Hmm. He walked from Idaho Springs to the city of Golden on this bike path. And when he got cold and tired, he went to Golden PD and used their call box and called Jeffco. And they said, hey, people are looking for you. So, yeah, that hmm. was the end of my 16, 17 and a half hour day. That's why you missed the episode. Yep. But, um, but you reunited a family. Yeah. And that's all that matters? Mm, no. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Is if something like as a real child, like a seven, eight year old, I'd feel pretty bad. Hmm. But when you're a 16 year old, you can kind of take care of yourself and that you're going to throw a fit because your uh, your sisters were singing. Hmm. Come on, dude. And the mom said that he he's like um, he's kind of stubborn and emotional, hmm. but he's a good kid. So I that he's that age. I wouldn't think that he would just get in a car with somebody. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you'd hope not. Yeah. Um, but. So but yeah, he I just, totally get what you're saying. So yeah. he was—he had to sing too. Like, no, he didn't want to. His sisters were embarrassing him. Mm. Okay, so he just got mad and um, had a meltdown. And his mom says, "Well, if you're gonna not be cool, then you can just stay here." And um, <laughs> that's what happened. You're not gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah. In so many words. Yeah. Right on. But, but yeah, we right don't on. back. We don't necessarily talk about. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's this podcast about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's about life, Brad. <laughs> The movie life? life, the real life podcast, the real now. life podcast, and then we got we got to talk like this and oh. see how everything happens. Yeah, that's how we're doing it now. Yeah, guys, so this exciting. sounds really boring. <laughs> um, every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, the new movie was The Lion King. <laughs> um, we'll talk about The Lion King and um, we'll see if you should see it or not. Play the trailer and spoil a movie. That's a Joffrey Shot remake of the previous movie, and um, and then we'll go from there. Um, but let's talk about uh, movie news. There's a lot of movie news this week as San Diego Comic Con happens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, catching the classics with Corinne, so stay tuned for that. Uh, let's talk about Blu-rays that are happening mm-hmm. and movies we've been watching, and I have a lot of them. Um, so uh, let's start with the big news of the week, because a lot of stuff trickled out from that mecca of pop culture goodness, San Diego, in real news. <laughs> It's real news. You know, I was thinking every time San Diego Comic Con pops around, Brad, I don't know if you think this too, how me and you just went and we've got our tickets the month before in 2008. And, you know, now it's a, a process to get them. And it's like a journey. Like it, yeah. it's, it's like collecting enough coins to get a key to go into the dungeon. And I know there's several people that don't like what Comic-Con has become. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I'll always have the argument that if you stay relevant, that it helps. And it, it, the, the comics have taken, um, you know, a backseat now, but you, you don't have that without the comics and you know, the comics are still there. So people can still get comics and just accept uh, and I, you know, I honestly think that's because I was reading uh, Game Informer today, and they're talking about E3. I think if E3 embraced this instead of making it a con- consumer trade show, 
where they had the exclusives where you can come here and try game demos. Yeah, it's not really like make it fan. I mean, there might be. I'm not aware of it, but there like there there isn't really like a comic con of video games. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, you so. can to celebrate it because it's a culture that obviously. I mean, we're, you know, we're at Denver Comic Con. We see how many yeah. hundreds of thousands of people go and. There's a pop culture con, <laughs> and um, I was gonna say, um, you know, at like because these things are growing, you're you're reaching out to a larger yeah, audience, you so you're to. you're reaching into pop culture. Yeah, um, and, and you have to to stay relevant. I mean, it's impossible. As much as I love comic books, you can't have a comic book show with just comic books and expect to have the turnout that they have. Well, comic book conventions from the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, haven't they also kind of embraced all aspects of pop culture anyway to uh, begin with? Uh, you know, I don't know, but they, I mean, the first one in San Diego, I mean, you can go see Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and stuff, and they started the panel stuff, and you just build from there, and it's, I, I've never had a problem with yeah. it. I, but, but if you're finding yourself missing the old, like, comics-only Comic-Con, there's a void, and that's something that maybe you should, you know, put together yourself. Yeah. And, uh, bring back yeah i i mean i went to comic-con when it was like kind of transitioning further into it like it was kind of like the first one that i went to was very comics oriented and then like i skipped a year and then the next year very movie like movies started trickling in way more by the time i went the last time i've gone like it was very movie centric but there was plenty of comic stuff going around so I haven't, like I said, I haven't been in close yeah. to nine years. So it's also easy for them to in- invade Comic Con because you know Hollywood's in California. So that and the fandom's already there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not because <clears throat> if you like comic books, chances are you're going to like movies. I, I I don't know if a comic book fan who's you know fuck movies. I don't know, nor- like just any person. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it is weird when people don't like movies. Do you know people who don't like movies? Uh, I don't. No, but I I think it'd like, be I only weird. watch TV. Yeah, I think it'd be weird, right? Yeah, if someone came and said, "I don't like movies," fuck you and fuck yeah. movies. I only read and go to plays. Yeah, I never ha- meet people who say I hate movies, but I meet people who go like, "I like TV more," and I'm mm. just like, "Okay, that's fair." Like, I mean, maybe like the you know maybe like the story structure of movie uh, TV. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Um. um so I, Zach, why don't you take us to the danger zone? Uh, <laughs> Um, well, uh, Comic-Con hit big. I'm going to start off with Marvel, um, because that panel... I gave him a transition, (laughs) and he goes totally opposite. You're like that, uh, anime butterfly meme, (laughs) where you you lofted the butterfly in there, and he just completely, like, ignored it. Yeah, well, I mean, we will get to trailers, because that's also, like, ensconced in trailer news, and that came before Comic-Con. Um... Nope. Yes, it did. That trailer came out on Thursday. Tom Cruise debuted it at Comic-Con. At the Paramount. Then how did we talk about it on Thursday when I saw that trailer? I don't know, Zach. He was at Comic-Con. He was on YouTube. Did anyway. It, isn't Thursday a preview night? Yeah, it's preview night. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you can see the thing where Tom Cruise is on a Comic-Con panel. God, okay. We'll talk about uh, Top Gun Maverick then. Top Gun Maverick came out uh, with a trailer and a poster and um, looks like fun. Um, I don't know. Uh they didn't really give any story away. It's mainly just aerial stunts and aviation. So. Uh, it's, uh, the story is someone who's coping with the world changing where they're going to unmanned pilots, drones and stuff. And how does someone survive in that? World? Right. No, but there's no like plot specifics. Oh, like, although trailer, well, I read, yeah. I read in the synopsis later though, like Miles Teller's playing the son of goose who was in the first film, like one of the, the so like that's going to play a part in it, but his name's break. Break? Okay, cool. Right on. <laughs> no, you know I what know. I think about when I think about Goose, Top Gun? Goose broke his neck. That was the joke. Mm. Any uh, 35-year-old uh, fans out there? 
Anyways, go ahead. I watched it recently in a gym, and all I remember is that he died, and then they said, Goose is dead, and he goes, I know. His name's actually like, Goslin. <laughs> <laughs> or Goslin. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but so, yeah, looks like a lot of fun. Um, I I need to rewatch it, but was Val Kilmer in the trailer, and I just didn't see it? Uh, I don't think so. I know he's in the film, though. Okay. Well, well, well we know trailer. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in another trailer. We can move right into that one if you want. Uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot got a trailer and uh, an announcement for an entire roadshow tour. Um, yeah. yeah, I got my tickets. Nice. Looks looks like fun. Um, what time are you seeing it at? Um, it's the 10 o'clock Friday show, I think. No, it's only one day. It's the 10 o'clock show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> that opening scene where they're, uh, uh, there's a standoff between them and the police, and he drops his pants for some goodbye horses. I was just yeah. like, ah, fuck. I'll, of course I'm in for this. Yeah, he has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, He's I'm, got a dick. I was surprised to see Affleck in it. Yeah. Because yeah. they had a huge falling out. Actually, that kind of segues into something like uh, Kevin revealed in an Instagram post how that reunion took place because uh, – uh, Affleck kind of there was a journalist who was asking Affleck about reboot and Affleck said like I'm available if he wants to do it and then uh Kevin's assistant said give him a call and he almost didn't do it and then I guess he sent him an email and then Affleck responded and then that's how it happened so yeah you know yeah someone like Kevin Smith you know life's too short mm-hmm. you know you can't hold grudges I mean I don't know what their falling out is I mean I know it's has to do with like Jennifer Garner and stuff but you know if you have a friend and you know i i'll say this that ben affleck does owe a lot of his career to kevin smith Mm -hmm. um, very much so because you know he well there was that oscar that one time but i guess yeah in order to get there you get there you have to you have to have chasing amy to get there yeah i actually even mall rats because like that's like the that in that beginning area too because because chasing amy's the same year as goodwill hunting so i think so yeah yeah so um, but yeah, so, um, I think Matt Damon, I saw a little quick shot of him too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be playing, uh, Bartleby. Nice. That, that, that's gotta be what it's getting. Loki. The, the Loki. Yeah. Sorry. Bartleby's Ben Affleck's character. Um, he's dead. <laughs> I had a debate with somebody trying to figure like, how the fuck is Loki still alive? Like, and then I remembered he only gets stabbed in dogma. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ha- explode like Affleck does. So yep. it's highly possible. And maybe Alanis Morissette decided that he should live. So, mm-hmm. you know. She makes decisions for all of us, guys. That's right. Um, That'd be ironic. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, but I guess, I guess the scene with Affleck, though, is uh, sort of like a mini sequel to Chasing Amy in the respect of just like... It, and it relates directly to his heart attack, I guess, by the way he was describing it on the post. So um, so we'll see how that all plays out. Uh uh, more Comic-Con news. Um, I'm going to go back into Marvel now because, fuck it, I want to talk about Marvel because uh, this has been exciting. Uh, they re- they announced everything ever. Except for Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but other than that, they announced everything ever. I, I'm interested because they're taking chances. Oh, yeah. So um, should I run down the lineup here? Sure. We got Black Widow coming first. Uh, and then Disney Plus is getting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and then we're getting the Eternals. Uh, and then Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, uh, WandaVision coming to the Disney Plus, which that theme song for WandaVision, uh, if you listen, they kind of play it during the panel with not without the footage. It sounds like a 60s sitcom, like an I Dream of Genie thing. So I'm wondering what the tone of this show is. Well, the uh, font is like a old classic refrigerator yeah. emblem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe it's like a sitcom. 
That'd be, be cool. Uh, and then uh, this is my favorite title in the entire lineup, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and I guess Derrickson said on the panel that he the only way he was going to come back is if he could delve into the horror. things that got yeah the horror and the psychedelic nature and the Jack Kirby of it all. So Steve Ditko or Steve Ditko, yeah, sorry. The, um, but no, I, the nightmare is the villain, and he's a really cool villain. Hmm. Where he's he's a demon that he's like Freddy Krueger before there was Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. and he's all powerful. You can't really. He's like uh, there's no one before me. <laughs> but yeah, you, he's. Yeah, so he just tricks people. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um and Derrickson's a great director. Oh, yeah. 303 represent. I uh it, it's I not a John Watts is from Denver too. Yeah. It's not a film that I watched this week for the what we've been watching, but I did watch The Monster finally mm-hmm. um by uh Bertino. I'd like him to do a Marvel movie. Oh yeah, that's like great like an insular one, you know. Number 10 of my favorite films from 2017. Yeah, I'm just saying get more horror directors in in, in this place, you know? Like the ones that like Bertino. Uh, and then Disney Plus is getting Loki, um, and that was fun. Terrible uh, title, font choice. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Were you going crazy? <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it's as busy. a graphic designer, it's busy. But I, I'm guessing because it's related to whatever the plot is. Yeah. Uh, and then we're getting the What If series, uh, Hawkeye uh, Disney Plus series, uh, and. Bit, one of the biggest announcements of Thor Love and Thunder, which we got the announcement that Taika Waititi was returning before the con. Yeah. But what we didn't know was that Natalie Portman's coming back, which yeah. that sounds fun. Yeah. It's Jane Foster. She's the Thor in comic books right now. So, or she was for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. great so, logos, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, Mr. Feige um, said that they did not have uh, enough time to talk about that they're going to do something with the Fantastic Four or the fact that they're going to talk about mutants, but he brought out uh, a two-time Academy Award winner to basically announce that eventually we're getting another Blade movie, this time with Mahershala Ali. Um, I'm down with that idea. I think it's awesome. Um, I wish I didn't have to wait so long because it sounds like it's a Phase 5 thing according to all reports. Yeah, yeah. I think there's enough room in their schedule that they might stick another movie in there because there's a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be one of the three that wasn't discussed. This is also two years worth of stuff, which yeah. is shorter than they've usually presented. Yeah, so because uh, I, I can guarantee you that Phase 5 is probably... Because this is why I think it's a risk because they really don't have big characters in this phase. It's more... Well, besides Thor, but, you know, it's... Hey, let's black try Black Widow. Um, let's, I mean, the Eternals... I don't know. Um, we'll see. Um, I mean, it could be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy was garbage before you know Mar- the movie we came out. I don't know what Shang Chi is. Uh, it's a fun. Sh- it's fun. It's it's. I mean, he's a kung fu guy. And is the Ten Rings thing? That's the organization from Iron Man. That's Mandarin. Yeah. So okay, okay. I was just yeah. I was confused when I first saw because I'm like, I know I've heard that name before. What the heck is it? Oh, Iron Man. Yeah. yeah so um, so it'd be interesting. You know, I'm one of those people too that a lot of people don't like the twist in Iron Man three where the Mandarin is just an actor oh, oh i think it's wonderful like it? no i think it's yeah awesome. yeah it's one of the b- most divisive things when you read about it and when you watch um their last one shot they ever did mm-hmm. where you learn that ben kingsley there is a real mandarin yeah and that he's going to be in this movie now it's it's interesting because i thought by the end of it uh killian alder killian because he had like the dragon tattoo on his chest mm-hmm. i thought like oh, like that is the Mandarin. He's like all these different disguises, but mm-hmm. 
Well, he he yells out, "I am the Mandarin!" before Gwyneth Paltrow hits him. Yeah, so. yeah, but there's like a real, real Mandarin. Yeah, no, exactly. Like a guy pulling the strings. And so I, so I think this one they're trying out new things. And I'm thinking um, five is going to be Guardians, Captain Marvel, and Spider Man again, and maybe a little Black Panther too. And Black Panther, unless, like I say, like they may stick something like that in there if they get them developed. But Black Panther two script is still being written according to the last report. Yeah. Guardians 3 doesn't happen until the Suicide Squad happens. Yep. Uh, and Captain Marvel 2, it sounds like they're trying to get Bowden and Fleck back on board to yeah, direct. Yeah, they so. just have work to do. And yeah. So you announce the stuff that you can. And, you know, I, I like the Natalie Portman thing that they actually locked her up about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And that they're able to keep secrets is pretty astounding. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm excited without seeing too much of it, obviously, because the footage wasn't shown uh, for What If?, that's oh, yeah. that's a some, cool idea that and jeffrey wright playing the watcher sounds yeah. like fun yeah, so man. um uh so yeah uh lots of cool stuff from marvel yeah marvel kind of crushed the thing i remember as soon as that they gave out free hats and then took a giant ass photo with all the fans with hats mm-hmm. they're nice people what yeah. if is marvel's <laughs> elseworlds right uh so yeah so it's um you know what if wolverine killed the hulk mm-hmm um, I, I guess they're going to use it with scenes from Marvel Cinematic Universe already established is what they said because like, they have a lineup of all the actors that are technically returning in their voice form. Yeah, so it's an, it's an animated one. It's interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, within that panel, though, before we leave, um, uh, James can calm down because Avengers Endgame is now the biggest film of all time. Yes. According to... Thank the... you, Brad, for your contributions to that. Yeah. I did my my, my best. I, I wish I could have done more, really. <laughs> Everybody Brad, does what they can. Could have yeah. done it sooner. They're, they're talking about if uh, Avatar will eventually pass it. I don't know. I, is there enough Well, there's the caveat Avatar? of inflation, so... Yeah, but is there enough hype for Avatar? I don't... Oh, the new ones? Yeah. I, in this day and age, like, things are still surprising. Yeah, I just... How did... popular some things are. Because I still don't understand the popularity of Avatar. I mean, it, it was cool. And I guess it's because it's the first really big 3D movie. Is, yeah. I'm guessing what it has to be. But I, I never um, understood how it was so popular. I think unless James Cameron has like a new technological innova- innovation up his sleeve, like I can't see what the draw would be. Yeah, and it's so long Unless you do like the story. Them. Yeah. You know, I mean, when's, when's 2021? So 12 years? I feel like it's been too long for us to get ex- as excited about it as like i mean unless there are is a fan base that i'm not aware of so you know it, it helps that you're they're now part of disney yeah where disney knows how to market stuff and they have a theme park attraction they, they, i mean it's already for. marketed yeah so it's built in there's an audience built in for it obviously i mean it's made a lot of money speaking of which this is just just a pitch real nerds go to star wars land and sit in the millennium falcon i'm down oh dude that'd be so cool i heard it's actually easy to get in because yeah. they underestimated or do you I mean, think they scared people with what they were saying? I think the prices are still just too high for most people, and they mm. they assume people would pay that. Mm, maybe. Without question. Mm. Anyway, though, um, uh, Ryan, I've got some Comic-Con news that you're not going to give a shit about, but Brad and I are. Uh, we got a Picard trailer. and Don't, uh, don't play it. Oh, I'm going to do it. Don't. <laughs> you push that fucking buzzer. Engage. He ruined your thing. I know can't even do jokes <laughs> the thing is, here, let me explain it to you zach so you can pick up what i was putting down so i was saying don't play that trailer and then i was like don't play, and i stopped in mid-sentence because brad was going to play it because he's like basically saying fuck you mm-hmm. but then you said engage so you ruined my joke oh, okay. my show my jokes shut your fucking mouth now play that goddamn trailer
No, the trailer looks badass. I, I, mean, I don't, I'm not a big Star Trek fan, but it looks fun. Would you watch it even though you haven't watched TNG? Uh, I don't want to have to get CBS All Access, <laughs> so probably not. Anything to not watch a Trek show. You found every avenue. No, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> have... You could get UK Amazon Prime and watch it. Oh, <laughs> or could I, I could sign up for a month free and wait till it's all released and yeah. I can watch it then. Tell you what, I'll just give you my password and you can watch it that way. See, okay, there we go. Yeah, and I'll you. watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that trailer looked like fun. Lots of fun. I'm a like, production value. Like Discovery already looks like a movie, but Picard really looks like it. So mm-hmm. well, it I could think, be a feature film. Honestly, I think that's why. Um, Patrick Stewart came back because I'm sure he wasn't going to come back if it wasn't look good or the stories weren't good because yeah it's an important character for him but you you got to make it look big yeah because yeah. now Star Trek I mean the movies have a look to them that they've never had before yeah and you got to keep up with Star Wars exactly um, yeah but I was most impressed by uh, the fact that they're like I, I already assumed like yeah sure of course across the season they'll bring I'm sure they'll sprinkle in other cast members from next gen. We've already heard uh, Rikers coming back and data's in the trailer, but I'm sure Beverly and Worf, they'll all show up at some point. Hashtag but even more impressive Worf. was that there's characters from Voyager because yeah, Seven get, of Nine is in there. Yep, Jerry Ryan's coming back, um, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of um, older next gen villains coming back or something like that, just based off of the vibe of everything. Um, yeah. it, it looks spectacular. Um, I like how it's. Because I was worried that this was just going to... When I heard other cast members were coming back, I was just like, oh, it's just going to be a TNG reboot. But the trailer firmly establishes that he's leading a new crew and they're like asking for his assistance. You know, I already got that. I mean, I've only seen a handful of Next Generation, but I got that from the poster. Like, I didn't feel like this was uh, a piggybacking off of Next Generation. I felt that... And then when I saw the footage, I'm like, no, it's definitely going to stand on its own and it's going to have its own feel and its own look where you're... But you're also embracing, you know, the the fans that are already there, and you got to bring new people in because, I mean, at the end of the day, CBS All Access wants people to subscribe, right? So it has to be accessible to everybody, right? No, it was just one of those things, like because we had only seen that teaser with him going through the vineyard and then mm-hmm. seeing the star the Starfleet lo- insignia. So I was just like. We were saying for a, for a couple of weeks, like, what is this show? Is it actually even happening? Is this just a big trolling yeah, event just, by CBS? I guess you can have the show written before you have the showrunner established. So yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, that trailer looked fun, and uh, the uh, final moment with Data, I was just like, okay, there's already there's now going to be three shows that CBS Which, and Access has that I want. So. I'm curious if it is Data because uh, obviously the real Data blew up in Nemesis. It's probably before, but it's, he's it's, assumed Data. Well, we don't know what the shot is in reference to, but I'm wondering because also in um, the last episode of Next Gen, they flirted with the idea that Picard is losing his mind in his old age. Mm. So I wonder if it's, you know, he's playing this chess game that's just in his head in order to like resolve certain whatever conflicts he's experiencing in real life. Um, The only thing that tells me that it is going to be some form of data (laughs) is the ending of Nemesis when they do that whistle scene with before. So, um, but I mean, Again, you're probably you probably have a good idea on your hands there that I hope that they work with. Yeah, physically it has to be B four, but also in the time it has passed, you know, maybe Data's memory transfer has you know grown and learned and hmm. reassumed you know its normal st- status. So we'll see. I want the end of the first season of Picard to reveal John Delancey as Q, and I just want John Delancey as Q back. 
That's that's a thing I want back from the original show because I like watching John Delancey do stuff. Um, you just said the show looks cool. I yeah, know. exactly. And you don't know about dog. these cool characters <laughs> that we're talking about, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know any of them. And he's got a dog called Number One. Mm-hmm. I know. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, also, at Comic-Con, we got a Watchmen trailer uh, for the HBO show. Um, yeah. Looks interesting. Yeah, we'll watch um, it. I don't know what they're... I still don't know exactly what they're doing. I know it takes place after Watchmen, but I don't know uh, what there's a there's a league of Rorschachs it, that were probably inspired by the guy who got the manifesto at the end of Watchmen, yep. um, and Adrian Veidt's being played by Jeremy Irons. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I don't, I don't know. know. It you exists. Like, do you like Watchmen? Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, right on. Um, I'm going to move out of Comic-Con, though, because we got some other good news. Um, uh, Ryan, we're getting two Halloween sequels back-to-back. I, I love the titles, too. Yeah, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. That is that is just... That'd be fun. Will it, it end, really? No, no. <laughs> it won't, but shut up. <laughs> um, I, I know what's going to happen. It's gonna When the, the last one happens, they're going to say, well, that ends the Laurie Strode story. And then... Because... Uh, um, They've always said that there's there's no way you're just going to kill Michael Myers because, I mean, you just won't. No, because Mustafa Akkad will rise from the grave and kill you. That's what happens there. That will definitely happen. You know what? Donald Pleasance once said, I'll keep making them and I'll stop at 22. Yeah. And so maybe that's their whole intention. Interesting style. You know, it's cool they're shooting them back to back. There's always a risky proposition when you do that because, one, you've got to maintain the audience from, you know, the record setting reboot or continuation of the story reboot cool <laughs> yeah and then you got to make them want to see the ending mm-hmm. um, so i'm interested i mean obviously they have an idea because and they have enough confidence they've already it. written both scripts so and, well the original they were originally going to do a back-to-back for the for that first one and then they ended up collapsing it into the one script so yeah. i'm wondering what they've done with this one yeah we'll so see. i mean not a long time to wait and jamie lee curtis says she's coming back and i was just like badass i'm there david gordon green's coming back totally i mean of course i'm there it's halloween it's michael myers yeah. um so yeah big, big news on that front um we also got some more blumhouse news though uh the invisible man reboot cast mm-hmm. it's invisible man oliver jackson cohen he's from hill house which i haven't watched yet it's good so now i have a yeah. another reason to watch it um up. Yeah, he looks like he could be an Invisible Man. <laughs> I'm down for the Invisible Man. Yeah, I think. Did you um, hear the, plot the most synopsis? underrated um, Universal monster? Well, he has the most kills, as we've discussed oh, yeah. before. Yeah, he's Easy. killed yeah. hundreds of yeah. people. Claude Rains is amazing. Have you heard the plot synopsis for this reboot? Nope. It's kind of like a um, the uh, Elizabeth Moss's character is kind of like the through line, and uh, the Invisible Man is a true villain. So mm, sweet. they're not going to try to hero make him heroic and whatnot. Um, we got two scary trailers. First one, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell got a full trailer that actually showed footage, and it looks fun. Um, mm, looks all right. But the, uh, I mean, the thing is, you've got to go to a Fathom event to see it in the theater. So hopefully, I'll have a chance to see it. If not, yeah. I'll wait till video later on. Uh, are they releasing it the same day as VOD though? I didn't say there. Mm. They just they're doing like a three day event where one day has each has a screening of the film, but like one of the days is going to be a. House of a Thousand Corpses, Doubles, Rejects, um, uh, Three from Hell Night. So uh, that's six that, and a half hours of Rob Zombie filmmaking. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we the other scary trailer we got was the trailer for Cats. Um, oh, the fuck. I know. D- d- 
Did you get scared? Because I got scared. I didn't get scared. I just I, I look at I go what the fuck? What in the what are we watching? I'm just baffled. Like because if you're going to make a new cast movie in a CGI world, why would cats? you make them like? Because before it's just humans in like cat yeah. fur costumes. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna go, now you have the opportunity to make them exactly look like cats. That's what I mean. But you're gonna make you're gonna give them like human faces without cat noses and because why can't you just have Jennifer Hudson be a cat? Yeah, yeah. Like, like keep their eyes mm-hmm. so you can you know connect with them, but you can make the rest of it look exactly like a cat. Yeah, I don't, I've never seen the musical Cats, especially uh, after seeing today's movie. You can make it look exactly like a cat. Yeah, I don't doubt. <laughs> so, um, I'm yeah. just upset because uh, Kevin Smith only got one to two million dollars to make Tusk, and they gave like hundreds of millions of dollars to this piece of garbage. So I'm just saying the world is unfair. I mean, I can't say <laughs> the movie's not going to be good because obviously I haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's just unusual. But I guess yeah. they're trying to keep the aesthetic of the musical, which is um, totally cool. I mean, have you heard the cast recording for? Cats? Oh, I mean, I know the songs, of course. Yeah, so like, I'm impressed with the production design, like how everything, all the sets are, you know, gigantic. But things. who's directing it again? Tom Hooper. Uh, Tom. So are we going to see them? Like the actual sets, or is it going to be like Les Miserables, where I'm not going to see anything? It's going to have weird close-up and Dutch angles of people. <laughs> the whole trailer looked like it was a bunch of close-ups, except for that final shot in the in the square. So I just hot hair Rob Marshall. He can do musicals. Yeah, exactly. He, he's proven it time and time again. However, <laughs> um, oh, uh, second to last piece of news. Um, bring it back to Kevin Smith for a second. Uh, remember Clerks Three? That thing that was going to happen and then didn't happen. Uh, it's technically going to happen now. Anderson. <laughs> Wait, the movie's gonna happen? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, you can uh, if if you have a mo- a lot of money, you can go hear a a live reading of the script uh, in New Jersey on Kevin's birthday in like two weeks. So uh, I don't know if that applies to anybody. If any of our listeners can do it and then report back to us what happens, hopefully in they Clerks put it in 3, a podcast. Yeah. I would love for that to happen. But the the cause is to support a a, a local theater that does like local theatrical productions and whatnot. Cool. So that's why the ticket price is super high. Um, and then the last piece of news, uh, Space Jam 2, uh, trouble on the set. Not really. They just replaced the director. Uh, Malcolm D. Lee is now going to be directing Space Jam 2. I thought that movie was a slam dunk. <laughs> yep, I went there. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be a sequel to Space Jam. That's all I can expect. The only thing I'm excited about in Looney Tunes land these days is those new shorts they're putting out, yep. which they look amazing. All right, we'll see. And uh, that's news. Brad, take me around town to a magical place called the theater that you can drive into. Things called the drive-in. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week at the drive-in, they are playing The Lion King, followed by Toy Story 4, followed by Spider-Man Far From Home. Wow. Ooh, that's so. a really family-friendly uh, lineup they got there. Yep, it's almost like it's all Disney-related. It's like each movie gets better. Mm. Um, yeah, so the comments better not say like, "Why don't you guys play kids' movies?" Because now you're getting them all. That's actually pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a solid one. Uh, what's going on at the Esquire next week? Uh, this week at the Esquire, I forgot to look it up. Uh, I will say that if you want to join me for a birthday celebration, I will be seeing North by Northwest. At the Shea Artiste. Yes, actually. I, on August 28th. Yeah, August 28th is, is the start of Wait, the... wait, you were born? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait. No, I was... I was created. I you were know. afterbirthed. 
<laughs> something. You're um, forced into this world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the Shea Artiste is going to be doing a Hitchcock with a twist series. So August 28th, they're going to be doing uh, North by Northwest. The following week, they're doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is the screwball Hitchcock uh, with Carol Lombard and Robert Montgomery. Um, following week, they're going to do Rope. And then they're going to end it with a Hitchcock-inspired film by Stanley Donen called Charade. You know, that's Grant's most beloved film. Is Charade? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Hmm. All right, I figured it out. Cool. Uh, The Midnight this week is The Room on Friday and uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show on Saturday. But speaking of The Room, in September, uh, September 20th and 21st, Tommy Wiseau will be in person at the midnight screenings of The Room. Might have to be a time I have to go see The you, Room. You have to do it. Big um, Denver premiere. I already got my oh, hi, Ryan. Oh, hi, Ryan. I heard you're a Real Nerds podcast guy. <laughs> you might be able to buy his underwear. Yeah, I'm good. Dude, um, uh, no, I'm, I'm doing it. I'll frame it and put it on the wall and be like, yeah, see, that was underwear I took from a madman. So uh, in, in a change of form, they'll be screening it in both upstairs and downstairs theaters. So there are mm. separate uh, ticket links and... Uh, each of those is twenty bucks, so and not so the normal nine fifty. And somehow Tommy will be in but both. That's what rooms. Tommy was. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, twenty bucks. Yeah, not at all. Totally worth it. Yeah. yeah. I all mean, right. how much did we pay to see Greg Sestero uh, do that live reading that one time? Like, yeah, probably twenty bucks. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. And then another twenty for food because mm-hmm. it is the ammo. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, they got to make the money. Uh, but yeah, and then the following week is uh, the forty-hour film project. Um, and then that weekend, the Esquire is playing Ninja Scroll, which I'm sad to miss. Oh, because I'll be. I have to go see that. I haven't seen that in a long time. But I've never seen Ninja. The Alamo's playing it, so on a different. The day, Alamo's so, playing it. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I, wonder, I, go I can use my Alamo season pass for that. Yeah. But uh, August 11th, you can come watch whatever I make from that weekend. Nice. Let him go, Tessa. But I will kill him. <laughs> I haven't seen fucking Ninja Scroll forever. Would I like it? Uh, if you like violent anime with boobs, that's why I love it. I mean. I've, I've, and rape. It, it's not like, oh, yeah, there is rape in it. <laughs> wow. Fuck. Okay. Now. That movie is weird. I haven't yeah. seen it in a really long it's hardcore. time. Well, now I have to think about it. No, um, no, no, it's fun. Um, Besides the rape. I still haven't seen Akira yet. I either, mean, there's so. anime. I, <laughs> there's. <laughs> Any uh, Aqua tonight? <laughs> you. Me. What? Rape. Hand banana. Oh. Okay. Now I remember. Um, uh, <laughs> how, how long has Aqua Teen been off the air? Too long. Ten years? Too long. You know, it's weird. Uh, they had, like, one season, I think, mid-decade. Uh, but that was, like, after, like, four years <laughs> of not having anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about Ninja Scroll. And I, I still need to see Akira. So I'm not a big anime guy. So. Uh, I'm not either. But we can talk about some uh, Japanese filmmaking with Corinne and catching the classics with Marit- Corinne. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 20.9 of Catching the Classics which is actually part nine of Catching the Miyazaki Classics, where I'm going through all 11 films directed by Hayao Miyazaki. This week, I tackle what I think is his best film, Princess Mononoke. So, quick, spoiler-free synopsis. This, uh, the movie is about a young man named Ashitaka, who's the prince of his village, and one day a demon attacks, and while trying to fight off the demon, Ashitaka is cursed, and um, because of that, his village ends up banishing him, and he journeys to the west to find where the demon came from. And while doing so, he stumbles upon this conflict between the spirits and gods of the forest and this um, human settlement called Iron Town. So I'm probably going to be getting into some major spoilers after this, 
So if you haven't seen the movie, I really recommend that you do. Um, but you should check out realnerdspodcast.com because I will have some spoiler-free thoughts up there for you to read. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think this is his best movie. It's kind of right up there with um, Spirited Away. These two are, you know, they're right there. And I think Spirited Away is a little bit more family-friendly and a little bit more approachable. But I think that this um, this Princess Mononoke film is... The, the world building, the music, the themes and different aspects that are brought in. It's a, it's an epic adventure. And for that, I think it gets a little bit of an edge over Spirited Away for me, but I know other people out there disagree. So, but anyway, going to be getting into spoilers here probably. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go check out the podcast or go check out the uh, realnerdspodcast.com website um, and then just skip the rest of this. So, um, yeah, this is such a good movie. And like I said, it really does have an epic feel to it. Um, the animation is, I think this is where you kind of start to see Studio Ghibli, uh, at least of Miyazaki's films, you start to see them transition. The colors start to pop a little bit more. You see, I think this is the first Miyazaki movie that integrated CGI, um, into the hand-drawn animation, and it's pretty flawless. Like, I know where it is because I'm looking for it, but I think if you didn't know that, you would just be like, oh, it's, like, really good, and it is. I've said before that I do have a few tiny problems with the voice cast. The guy who plays Ashitaka in the English version, his name is Billy Crudup. Crudup? I'm not sure he, how you pronounce his last name, but he's kind of flat sometimes. There are a couple of instances, like, for instance, when he leaves his village and he's saying goodbye to his sister for the last time, and he says some line to her, and then he, like, rides off, and it was like, that was it? Like, that was your final emotional goodbye? And I didn't watch the Japanese version, so I can't really compare, like, oh, was the line de delivery flat there, too? Or, you know, what, you know, I don't know what the direction was there, but for me, I would have been like, can, can you get a little tiny bit more emotional about it? You're leaving your village for the last time. You're saying goodbye to your sister. Something. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, he does a good job whenever he's, like, shouting and yelling and telling everybody to chill out. Um, he does a good job. But, yeah, the weak link of the cast for me is Billy Bob Thornton, who plays Jigo, and... I don't know if it's Billy Bob Thornton or if it's the character of Jigo, but I I just find that whole, like, the character annoying. And granted, he's not in the movie too much, but once he kind of comes back in in the third act, it's like, oh, okay, well, there's Jigo. And he does serve his purpose in the story, and, you know, he accomplishes what he needs to, but I just find the character really annoying. Um, unlike... Uh, our La Lady Eboshi, who's played by Minnie Driver, she, I think, is the better antagonist of the two, just because she's a little bit more fleshed out, and she's a little bit more complex, and obviously you spend a lot more time with her, and I think she's maybe the best antagonist of any of Miyazaki's movies, just because she is complex, and she, she does want to to do right by people. Like, she does want to give people the dignity that they deserve. 
And unfortunately, her problem is that she doesn't give the forest and the gods and the spirits the dignity that they deserve. And instead, she's just trying to, like, you know, do her own industrial technological advancement. And, you know, I can't fault her for trying to make people's lives better, but it's like, you know, just like Ashitaka says, like, you have to do it in a way that's in harmony with the forests and the spirits and everybody around you. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I love pretty much everybody else's performance. Claire Danes, um, the lady who plays, um, Moro, I can't think of her name, Jillian Anderson. There we go. Um, they, they do a great job at, yeah, really everybody except for, um, Billy Crudup, sort of, and Billy Bob Thornton. Everybody else does great. Um, like I said, this story, the world building, the designs and the creatures and just, I mean, everything about this movie is just so, like, it gives you that vibe of, like, the old and the mystical and the ancient and, you know, the, the, the spirits and the gods and that opening, it just, ooh, gives me chills just thinking about it, and, um, I will, once again, I gotta give props to our, the composer for the movie, Joe Hisaishi, as I've said, he composes pretty much all of Miyazaki's movies, and I think that while Ponyo is, like, right up there with it, I think that this is his best outing as a composer, I love all the themes in this movie, The Legend of Ashitaka, arguably is so good. Like, I think it's, I think The Legend of Ashitaga is the best thing that Joe Hisaishi has ever written. And it's, it's almost like too good for the character of Ashitaka. Like, I like him as a character, but I feel like everybody around him is a little bit more interesting than he is. And he's just kind of like, I guess our sort of like our avatar into this world of gods and monsters and demons and humans all fighting and stuff. So, you know, it's understandable, but it's almost like, dang it, he gets like the best theme in the movie and he's arguably the most boring character. He really isn't, but of the main characters, he's the least interesting, I would say. But yeah, it, so Joe Hisaishi has a great outing, all the different themes that pop up with, you know, the demon and son or princess mononoke and there at the end when the, you know all the um the forests and the plants start coming back and everything starts turning green and son and and ashitaka go their separate ways and that theme is great <sighs> yeah and i just everything about this movie is cool i i just love like the forest spirit i think his design is super cool especially when he's the night walker and he's you know ooh, it's just it just it's eerie. It's a, it has, this movie has such atmosphere to it. And I, I don't know if I can think of another movie of his that has an equal amount of, it just puts you right in to that kind of time and place and era and the kind of mythology that's going on. So that's why I really think that this is his best movie. It's also his most adult movie because you do have the, um, the PG-13 rating for all the times, like, Ashitaka's, like, chopping off people's arms and heads and stuff. Yeah, this is a pretty brutal movie, but on top of the violence, it's also just, um, kind of what happens with, um, Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind, where it's this very 
layered and kind of heavy thing going on where, you know, you have like the industrial theme, you know, themes and you have um, the environmental theme and different things like that. So you see that here as well, you know, the political thing with like the samurai versus Iron Town. You've got the environmental message with like the the spirits of the forest and you've got the technological or industrial message with Iron Town and them mining for iron in the sand. So yeah, it's a very involved movie, but I think, you know, the pacing and just the the writing like brings you into the world and just immerses you in it to the point where when the head, you know, they cut off the head of the forest spirit, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> no. And you just, you freak out along with Ashitaka and San that you're like, oh shit, no, what? No, don't do it, Aboshi. Maybe that's just me, but at least for me, it's, it's his best outing, I think. And it's kind of interesting that Spirited Away comes like right after it. So it seems like he, again, he doesn't really have a bad movie, but it seems like these movies here in the middle of his career are kind of the peak for him. Where it's like Princess Mononoke, which is I what I would argue is his best movie, and then Spirited Away, which I know a lot of other people argue is his best. But like I said, they're right there. They're both equally good. It's just a matter of story and pacing and family friendliness and different things like that. So yeah, so unsurprisingly, I'm gonna give Princess Mononoke an A. I, w- I I can't give it an A plus just because I do have problems with um like Billy Bob Thornton and Jigo and a couple of other things, but they're very very minor compared to what this movie brings to the table. So got one more. We're doing our little f- our finale is going to be my favorite Miyazaki movie, and that is Howl's Moving Castle, which I've watched a lot in recent years. Um, so I'm interested to see how it holds up, um, now that I've seen all of his other films. And I gotta admit, like, I have wanted to, like, sit down and watch it so many other times. Like, I, you know, after I watched Porco Rosso or, you know, Spirited Away or whatever, I was like, I want to watch Howl's Moving Castle now, damn it. And I was like, no, I have to hold out until the very end. (laughs) I have to save it for last. So finally get to, get to revisit Howl's Moving Castle. So I will talk to you all about that next time, and I hope you had fun at your movie this week. Bye. Maybe the most well-known studio Ghibli film? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the consensus, consensus is on that. I would say so. That or Spirited Away? Yeah. Both good movies. No, no. It's got a Totoro. I think Totoro is more yeah, popular so. than Mononoke? Uh, I, I think... I mean, as far as I've been alive, I, would, I like everything goes back to Totoro. Oh, I guess I, you know you're probably right because of the character, and he's yeah so well known and licensed mm-hmm. that you're probably right. But good movie, yeah. No, I mean that th- I've seen Miyazaki movies. That's yeah. what I do see. Um, it, it's hard for me to always follow up Corinne because she does a great job explaining the films. Yeah, she breaks it down. She like, breaks it down very well. Yeah. So um, I can't remember the last time I saw Mononoke though. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, now. when I was in high school, those things were popular. So I don't, I don't. Those things, those films, were popular. <laughs> and so it's been a long time since I've seen them. Hey, they're not things; they're films. I've never yeah. seen it. <laughs> um, sorry, I was just 
frustrated because I looked up the Alamo screening of Ninja Scroll and both the days they're showing it are the Sunday of the 48 ending and then the Sunday of the 48 premiere. So oh. I still can't see it. Bummer. But you'll be winning the 48-hour film festival. I made sure that I put money into Chad's pocket when he was here. Oh, cool. Thanks. So it has to happen. Yeah. I mean, you could have just been a judge and help me out that way. Oh, can I? How do you volunteer? Do you have to volunteer? I mean, you probably just say, hey, Chad, I want to judge. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like, I'm good at judging film. I'm, I work for Rolling Podcast. I am good at judging film. Everyone sucks except for Brad's. Yeah. And so I'll give you a 10 and everyone else will get a 2. And then there's no way by waiting the system that you can lose. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get picked now. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Try again next year, I guess. Ryan, what if I made a film and put it into 48 hours? Sorry, it's Brad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to hear about your fucking Twombly 2 electric radio land. Oh, I'm going (laughs) to... Electrical radio land? (laughs) Oh, fuck the Twombly 2. Let's make a movie called Electric Radio Land. Done. Oh, my God. It's like a post-apocalyptic world where radio rules everything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, cool. Yeah, movies come out on Blu-ray that sometimes we're interested in purchasing. Here's movies that are being released on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. I feel like it's a sea of things that Ryan doesn't want. Perfect. Um, uh, we're gonna we'll start off with uh, the 4K and Blu-rays of Alita: Battle Angel. You can pick that uh, up. That sounds like a red box rental for me. <laughs> did you not see it in theaters? Or? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, it's fun. It's fine. Um, and then uh, Criterion's putting out a couple things. Uh, they're putting out 1984. Uh, they're putting out Do the Right Thing, which they had already done years ago, but they'd never done a Blu-ray of it. So there's there like a 180-page booklet with it. With uh, Do the Right Thing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to check it out because uh, that Criterion sale is still going violence out. solves problems. Find out and do the right thing. <laughs> um, we're also getting a 4K of uh, The Doors, which, okay, sure. Val Kilmer's great in that. He is. Um, I don't really like the movie, but nope. yeah, but he's, great in it. he certainly commits. Um, yep. Hellboy, the uh, David Harbor reboot that uh, I guess went nowhere. Yep. Uh, apparently, uh, you've seen the movie, right? No, I haven't yet. Oh. Um, but I will have a chance to very soon because uh, Prime is going to have it the day that it drops on 4K and Blu-ray. So, so. so they're please give us money, Lionsgate. <laughs> yeah, that went um, out theaters fast. Ryan, though, here's something we're both going to love. Uh, Universal Horror Collection Volume 2 from Scream mm. Factory coming this week. Uh, you will get Murder in the Zool. Uh, murder, murder in the Zool. Uh, Murders in the Zoo, The Mad Ghoul, uh, The Mad Doctor on Market Street, and The Strange Case of Dr. Rx. Nice. Yeah, so... Um, those are fun. Uh, the Mad Ghoul is one I'm familiar with. The other three I'm not. If you like those old school horrors, um, I haven't had a chance to check them out, but I do know that Scream Factory puts tons of special features on them, mm-hmm. and they make them worth your while. I have the Boris and Bella one coming to me, and they packed that yep. thing. They packed it. Uh, Arrow is putting out Weird Science, so that's interesting. Um, it's just, Robert Downey Jr.'s first roles. Yeah. Was that his first one? It might be his first movie. Uh, not his first movie, but his first, like, real movie. Like, like, a, he, like a professional he's in, Yeah, he's put in his dad's movies as, like, a kid. <laughs> Those are something different. Yeah, his They're dad, good, but they're different. His dad's a little goofy. Yeah. Are you going to um, rebuy it because it's Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, probably not. Um, because I think the Arrow one is probably $39. That's really expensive. I don't need... It's kind of like if they had I, an hour and a half interview with Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> then I would consider it. Yeah, did you get the Criterion of the Breakfast Club? No. See, that's kind of something where I'm just like, do I need that? 
mean, it's a good film, but yeah. well, you need to buy it so it supports Criterion. You know, putting out the smaller releases. But... Yeah, that is true. Um, uh, and also, you can get Missing Link, uh, the oh, 2019 Leica film. That like was a good one. film. Yeah, you could check that out. It's one of my favorites from this year. Yeah, um, and then uh, Critters Attack. This one I'm not aware of. That's a new uh, sci-fi or Shutter film. I can't remember. Shutter's doing the series, so this oh, so is my sci-fi. sci-fi one. Yeah, I heard it's not bad on Bloody Disgusting. Give it an okay review. Well, then we'll have to check it out and give our takes on it. Um, the uh, Kino Lober is putting out a Gene Arthur Edward Arnold film, Easy Living, uh, which also has Ray Milland, who would go on to win an Oscar for The Lost Weekend, uh, and then a Frederick March movie called Death Takes a Holiday uh, from 1934. I watched a Frederick March movie this week. I know, and we're going to hear about it very soon. <laughs> Uh, and then there is a 30th anniversary edition of Troop Beverly Hills, uh, the Shelley Long classic that first I did not know had a fan following, yeah. which is cool. I just didn't know it was there. Um, and other than that, a lot of anime. Lots and lots of anime. Uh, going back to Comic-Con announcements, uh, Simpsons fans will finally get season 19 on DVD. Yep. yep. Uh, not this week, but in the future. Um but I, I'm guessing they'll probably stop now that all 20 are out. Uh, so there's yeah, no holes in the lineup. Bummer. Yeah. They do. The, Just because it's going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah. The DVDs they put out are really nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, 18 is still like 40 bucks, though. Yeah. Um, actually, also on that front from Comic-Con News, uh, Shout Factory and Scream Factory decided to just make it Christmas for Ryan and I because yep. we're getting Big Trouble in Little China as a collector's edition. Yeah. We're getting a Fly collection. We're getting the prophecy. We're getting um, uh, <laughs> Pet Cemetery Two, which I don't know if that's Christmas for us, but that's a fun flick from Mary it's Lambert. Silver Bullets coming out, and I I got the Umbrella, the Australian release of it, mm-hmm. and I don't I'll have to see what they put on it because um, mm. the Australian release is pretty good. So they may have cool artwork though that you might want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't know. Um, I hate being a collector. Yeah, and then. Um, but yeah, that, so th- they're going to fill our hearts with joy. There's also a sh- Shout Select is putting out twins. Yeah. Which that looks fun. I know. Last fucking action hero. That's all I want in my life. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get it next year. And then when that happens, world's going to. Well, you know, Brad did send me the survey. You can put it as you want at a 4K, which. Because I, I really want to, re- you know, someone to actually do features on it because I know it's one of the most notorious bombs is, isn't ever. Isn't John McTiernan in jail, though? Uh, no, he's out. Okay. <laughs> when was John McTiernan in jail? Uh, a couple of years ago. Like what? tax evasion or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be like... What did it's he... like the Wesley Snipes thing. I don't know. Oh, I guess you I... could get Shane Black in for an interview. Oh, yeah. I bet Schwarzenegger would do one. Yeah. Yeah. When I... they wanted to make the movie, we wanted them. To... I can't do a Schwarzenegger. I don't know. We wanted to make the movie. Yeah. Shoot it, John. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. So misunderstood. I almost bought a lockup on Blu-ray. Like... Almost bought it, mm. and then the same day, at, like I saw an announcement for the 4K version. Oh, I'm like, four, like I'm glad it's getting a 4K, yeah. but I'm just like, of all the other movies that I want, like well, Lionsgate Last always Hero. does that. Like Lionsgate puts out weird ones, yeah, really weird ones. They have, they have the. I'm right... guessing it's because Rambo, yeah. Last Blood's coming out. Huh? They have access to titles for in the horror genre. Like they just have a library built up mm-hmm. that Scream Factory would love to get. Oh yeah, well they put out the Vestron stuff. That's actually a Lionsgate release how many titles have i have i seen they haven't, they haven't put out one like in a year yeah because maximum overdrive is the last one right i think so or maybe dagon i don't remember mm. it might be maximum overdrive that's also one that i see at affordable prices but i've never picked it up and i don't know why it's 
exists. That's a great trailer because Stephen King's friggin' nuts in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> an alright movie. I wish someone wrestled Super Mario Brothers away from Disney so I can get a at least a Blu-ray of it. They will maybe eventually. Or I'll have to move to England. That sounds like a shout select kind of movie. No, that sounds like it. Disney Movie Club. <laughs> Disney Movie Club exclusive. Oh, that'd be sweet. Um, cool. We watch movies throughout the week, or in some cases, more than a week. In a segment I call "What We've Been Watching." Brad. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Kick us off with something sweet. Something sweet. Something sweet. Uh, let's see what I got here. Uh, well, um, on the plane. Back from work uh, a couple of weeks ago, I watched The Biggest Little Farm. Um, Did it move a, you? Huh? Did it move you? Um, it was a it was a sweet movie. Um, you know, it, it's just about this. Uh, the trailer. It's exactly what the trailer advertised. Mm. You know, you you kind of watch uh, this family live in an apartment. Uh, they get a dog. Um, you know, the dog's too rambunctious to live in the apartment. They almost get evicted. Um, you know, somehow they have a ton of money so they can go buy this farm. Um, they hire some special farm guy who knows about, uh, you know, creating farms that are more in tune with the ecosystem. Um, and for like seven to eight years, you know, they struggle and, you know, learn along the way. Um, the guy, their mentor dies in the middle of it, mm. uh, from cancer, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and they have to figure out on their own after that. And, and it's a lot of just, you know, dealing with, you know, predators invading the property and uh uh pests and uh climate and all that stuff and uh yeah just it's pretty much just kind of like a short documentary of their lives for that period of time and um it, it, as it was ending i was you know landing and uh, i was really distracted by the fact that we were like doing circles around dia yeah and it was really shaky so i i wasn't able to pay attention to like their kid was born and like next thing yeah that's always um, hard when, like, you, the plane rocks. Yeah, you know, to focus. I mean, I'm not afraid of flying. It's just obnoxious. Um, I'm fine with flying. It's the crashing that I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not afraid of that either. Speak for yourselves. I'm afraid of the flying and the crashing. Um, Meh. what are you gonna do? Yeah, oh, die. <laughs> um, also, while I was flying, I got to watch. Uh, they also had three episodes of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. Oh. Hmm. Good, uh, which is fun. Uh, the three episodes are basically uh, more isolated aspects of the movie. So, like, one episode is about the, the werewolves. Uh, another one is the, <laughs> like, main vampire coming to town. Uh, so all those aspects that were in one movie, they kind of spread out across two. Flesh it out more. Yeah, but I think my favorite part is, I don't remember this being in the movie, um, but, you know, there was, like, that one human guy who wasn't a vampire, but, mm-hmm. um, like, he was just kind of, like, their roommate. But in the show, he's a energy vampire, do they have that in the movie? No, it doesn't have. Yeah, so at he's all. just like an office guy who you know he's the guy that will just come up to people's cubicles and you know talk about stuff that's like just you know draining. Like you just get exhausted listening to their stories. <laughs> um, so uh, there's another episode where um, you know he's he feeds off of everyone's energy, and you think it's just like this metaphor or whatever for that. But then uh, this girl gets hired at his office. And she's an emotional vampire. So she's the girl with all like the sad stories like, you know, I'm having a tough hot time today because my cat died and, you know, my sister's in a coma. Uh, so uh, 
you know, he's competing with her suddenly because she's, she's sucking all the energy out of the, uh, <laughs> the office. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, like later in the episode, uh, you know, they confront each other and they start floating. <laughs> so they are like supernatural characters, but like instead of blood, they feed off of, you know, different energies and it's pretty funny. Um, and uh, the, the, the energy vampire is, uh, one of Dwight's like friends from the office. Um, the one who like hits the beehive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the movie's fine. And then like, uh, one of the, the main vampires, uh, is I think the guy from the it crowd. Oh, uh, Richard Adedoy. No. Um, he's like the boss. He had, like oh. the the really professional voice. I haven't seen it. Anyway, seen he crowd. has like his hobby. I just know is, Richard Adedoy from that watch movie. His hobby is uh like um oh, what is it called when you do like garden sculptures? Uh landscaping, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just garden sculpturing, but Edward scissor handing? Yeah, but his sculptures are all just like vaginas of <laughs> uh <laughs> women he like admires and like one of them is his mom's. <laughs> um yeah it's it's pretty subversive and uh uh it's pretty yeah i i, I wish there were more episodes i would have watched them all but there was only three so what network is it on fx oh okay. yeah or oh. ff fxx maybe fix gotcha yeah fucks <laughs> so yeah i gotta figure out how to watch more of those um let's see i watched far from home again in 3d mm-hmm. well again but in 3d um and the 3d experience is great um, and the movie is still fun. Uh, because of our uh, 1999 film explosion, I went back and rewatched some of those 99 movies. Uh, I lost my mystery men HD DVD somehow. Hmm. It's again, no one wants you to have that technology. God's telling you something. There was plenty of other like they could take my four brothers blue or HD DVD. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, that was that a movie so when you text that. I was like, oh yeah, it's a Mark Wahlberg yeah. movie. Yep. I only have it because of, you know when you bought the player, they offered like oh, yeah, five yeah, yeah. movies with it. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll take this and <laughs> um, all the movies because you only had five movies at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's funny because the last time I moved, I lost Mystery Team. So Weird. both times I've moved, I've lost a movie with mystery, and it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Are there any other movies titled Mystery that you are at Mystery risk Alaska? Of? I'm worried about my Mystery Science Theater Blu-rays now. <laughs> oh God, they're all going. <laughs> yeah, um, or, or maybe just the movie. <laughs> so I rewatched Mystery Men, and aside from the CGI being so dated, uh, it's actually pretty impressive. Like how, like it looks like a pretty big budget movie, but that director didn't do much of anything else feature film wise hmm. after that. Um, there's a commentary on the DVD, um, so he talks about that. Um, I rewatched Payback. Uh, it's it's weird. That, like the there's some bonus features or something on the on the like it shows the movie without the desaturation. Mm-hmm. It might even be just the trailers. Um, but you know it 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 was less digital back then, so it was interesting that they had both. Um, and yeah, the movie, yeah, the movie's uh, interesting noir like. I, I really forgot how much Mel Gibson is a villain, like because mm. he is the hero of the movie. But not, he's not really a good guy. But he's actually like pretty scummy. Um, but it's great how he uh, turns the tables on all the even I guess worse guys in the movie. Um, and then the Matrix. Uh, I for, like I I kind of forgotten how small the movie actually is. Yeah. 
Um, way the, more contained. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there's actually, and there's not a ton of action in it. Uh, like the stuff you remember is the action in the movie. Um, and I'd forgotten all the connecting tissue of it. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it. There's a lot more setting up that world in there than you remember sometimes. Yeah, there's just a lot of explanation of things, uh, especially for Morpheus, um, you know, just feeling everything out. Uh, but yeah, because of the other two being so much like Star Warsian epics, you know, I, I kind of forgot. Yeah. So um, it's almost like like all those dialogue scenes, like because there are a ton in them. Because well, I um, mean, the climax is him walking out and stopping bullets. Yeah, yeah. You know, it always baffled me. Like the the real end of the movie is that yeah, he can read the code, mm-hmm. like where he's standing, and then he can also just take off and fly like Superman. But he feels like he doesn't have those powers when he starts out in uh, Reloaded. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. I, yeah. It's literally been really a long time since I've seen any of them. Uh, yeah, I, I think the first one because, like, like I say, because all, all all those dialogue scenes, it helps enhance the action. In the second one, I feel like one of the issues <laughs> is that the balance of action and dialogue is off. Mm. Uh, and then, then the third one is mostly action and very little explanation. So it seems like the balance is off in the two sequels. Yeah, so. and then also uh, because it's uh, 4K, the scene, the opening scene where Trinity is running across the rooftops to do that. And the jump that you see and everything you can see the the city backdrop is just a painted backdrop oh. so that's kind of jarring yeah <laughs> like oh that's they do that in the ninja, ninja turtles movie <laughs> for that climactic scene um uh got to rewatch terminator 2 at midnight nice. with zach um that yeah. movie's great i yep. can talk much more about that um eddie furlong still bothers me but whatever but it's weird that they he's fine it's just there's some stuff he does. Actually, you know, I think the part in that movie that is the most uh, jarring is at the end where, you know, they defeat the T-1000 and he says, I need a vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, really, it's funny, yeah. but it doesn't really fit the movie. Yeah, because he goes, it's like a 180 from like, I don't understand human, like, yeah. colloquialisms or whatever you call that. Yeah. 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 It's the scene that's always bothered me only because I don't understand why he does it. I mean, I get it, but I also don't get it is when he's the T-1000. He finds out that the T-800 has to do anything he says, right? And then those two guys come to help him, and he says, get away, bozo. And I'm like, those guys were there to help you, idiot. And he says, did you call moi a dipshit? I know it's to set up that he'll do whatever he asks him, but... It just sets it up for me. Like, I don't really like John Connor right now. <laughs> oh, fuck you. She's a priority to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Linda Hamilton in the rewatch, though. Oh, uh, I cannot wait for Dark Fate. They showed the Dark Fate trailer right before, and I'm like, I'm excited for Dark Fate. No, I am. Yeah. Like the, it looks good to me. Yeah. And Tim Miller's a really good director. So It was weird. They um they presented, like, the 3D version, so it was all labeled with, like, this is the 3D version, but it wasn't actually even distorted in 3D. Hmm. So I'm not sure why. It's just that that, that was branding's on it. That was the 2D version of the 3D re-release that they did because they still did 2D shows for it. So that's why you get that. But I don't know why you need it on both. But yeah, you just not have it because um, Jim Cameron wants to promote 3D. And also, I didn't realize like there seems to be a lot of nostalgia for the Guns N' Roses song in the movie because I've been hearing a lot about it in social media lately, and obviously they play the music video ahead of the movie. And obviously, I have my fan club for it. But like, it's it's I never remember that being like a big part of yeah, that movie. No, it's only playing when he's riding in the motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, and the you credits. Even have to remind me. I can't even place yeah. it. Yeah. But it feels like there's something like this uh, resurgence yeah, okay. of it. I'm like, where'd that come from? It's just a really good song that ties in well to the movie. 
somehow. It's not even like their best song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, but... Uh. Um, okay, and then la- the last two main things. I watched uh, Midsummer, hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, you know, it's it's a very artfully interesting movie, but the story I just didn't get into. I saw it was like two and a half hours. I'm like, that's a long movie. Oh, just wait. You're going to get a three-hour cut later in the year. <laughs> yeah, apparently they... <laughs> Um, there's some like really disturbing, like shocking visuals in it, which are great. Um, but I, the main characters, I didn't, it's hard for me to get excited for the film because I didn't care for hereditary, hereditary. So it's hard for me to get excited for that one. Yeah. I didn't see hereditary, so I have nothing to go Mm -hmm. off of. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't like hereditary, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. It's different than hereditary. I'll wait till it's streaming on prime. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably worth it. I know there's something deeper going on with the the main girl, like and uh, her sort of psychologically abusive boyfriend. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like you're spending so much time just watching these Swedish people be weird that you, you're like, it feels like that's overshadowing her story. So, uh, (laughs) donut. (laughs) And then, uh, I also watched the, uh, art of Mm self-defense, um, which I thought was, pretty fun um it's definitely a dark dark comedy um but uh there's like some really funny parts in it um jesse eisenberg is this wimpy guy um you know who seeks out karate to uh you know make himself stronger but uh i think about seeing that when i leave here yeah um it's it's pretty fun um obviously has a lot to say about toxic masculinity yeah um which is a great which is a great part of the film that i enjoyed um because i also saw it yeah yeah um, but the, the parts I just enjoyed the most were just how like weird and shocking some parts are like when that one dude breaks his arm. Yeah. That was um, really well timed, like well shot. Like, yeah. It was really good. But there's some aspects of it that I like see coming a mile away. Then I'm just like, oh, okay. I, f- I feel like the film has a balance issue to a certain degree by the third act, but it's still like an interesting comedy and it's yeah. got a lot of very funny moments in it. And Eisenberg's great in it. I, I haven't watched him in a movie since Batman V Superman, I think. So justice league. Well, I, yeah, in credits. one scene Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at the end of the credits. And I was angry at that point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think the dialogue is pretty sharp. And yeah. Indifferent. So it's definitely got a, a strange tone kind of close to like a Napoleon dynamite, but you know, it's, sadistic and dark it's like if napoleon dynamite and fight club had a weird baby yeah that's kind of what you're getting here um and imogene poots is really good in the movie too yeah. I, I think she's fantastic in it uh and the guy who's playing the dojo is giving a really good villainous performance and stuff so it's it's yeah. very um he was a neon demon yeah i i wait who did he play a neon demon like the uh the one like producer guy uh, at the muso and franks okay that's right um but yeah, no, it's an interesting flick. Um, apparently, this is not the first film the guy's made, so I'd be down to see it again. Yeah, I saw his other one. Um, gosh, what was it called? Mm. Dang it. Anyway, that's all I watched. Zach? Uh, well, I saw Art of Self-Defense with him, um, so you already know what I think about that. Uh, I saw Midsummer, and I really liked it. Um, I think I like it more than Hereditary, Um and I like the fact that it's just a one big long breakup movie. Um, it's a very interesting breakup movie. Um, uh, Florence Pugh's great in it. I, I between this and fighting with my family, like I'm excited that she's, you know, getting out there. Um, and I like how they do horror in the daytime. And it's mainly, I guess, because I don't see a lot of films that do that. Like the, this film kind of feels like the Wicker Man in certain respects. The way they do it. 
Um, my issue with the film is that it, 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 it has the problem of drawing itself out too much. And like, um, like hereditary, it takes its time, but within this one, I think it revels in different areas and I need to rewatch it because I want to see how, um, certain things are paced out, but I could feel the length. Uh, but that didn't take away my enjoyment of it. Um, and I would love to see the three hour cut cause I want to see what the hell he had to take out. Um, if it, if it was a matter of being an NC 17, I think I know exactly what he had to take out. Um, that part was confusing. Yeah. But the, in the ending is brutal and bleak, but satisfying. Um, especially if you're following through Florence Pugh's shoes in the movie and, and it being a breakup movie. I don't know. The director sounds like he's too full of himself. Yeah, he's got I mean, I, I've watched Hereditary and I've read interviews with him and I go, really, dude? You're making horror films. You don't have to... The imagery in it is like... Like, it's graphic, which is cool for... Like, they, you know... This stuff yeah. I haven't seen before in a lot of other horror movies, it, so... Here's, it's, it's a problem I have with The Shining where just because you make a well, like, shot film or... You, you're trying to say something else. It doesn't mean it's great because hereditary has parts where like kids heads get chopped off and things like that. And I was like, Meh. Hmm. Um, it's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea. That's why I'm saying like, you may want to wait for midsummer on prime. But it's so. one of those things too, where people, it's just think, the shiny that you tell me it's a, it's a great horror film. And I go, it's not, um, it's not my cup of tea, but you know, everybody else likes it. So who cares what I think? Yeah. I mean, hereditary at the end, sucks ass. at the end of the day though, <laughs> Being a horror fan, you might want to check it out at some point. Um, I mean, and the, the cult element of it is interesting because unlike most cult movies, like this deals with the whole thing of like they have to observe their culture with respect because they're students studying this um, solstice like proceedings. So there's a kind of element to it where like they're not wanting to stop it because they want to observe it. Uh, and it, and at the end, it becomes their own demise. Um, uh, I would check it out if you're um, into Ari Aster's thing that he's doing, which I am. So I'm um, not. So you can check it out for me. Oh yeah. Well, I did, and it was, Thank you. and it was, it, it was good. You won't like it, but it was good. Um, uh, I rewatched Galaxy Quest after Film Explosion '99, uh, oh. and that movie's fucking awesome, I as always. It. I forgot to write it down. <laughs> oh, you did. Yeah. I, I liked rewatching it. Um, I hadn't watched it on a 4K TV, and. Um, the the makeup of the um villains in the film uh still looks incredible uh the rock monster and the little aliens on the planet obviously don't hold up yeah. as much but i'm not expecting it to um and i really liked tim allen in the movie like ag- again like that's one of my favorite performances of his because he's kind of doing the shatner blowhard actor thing so yeah the blu-ray has a lot of uh good special features on it too because they do a uh, like they it's not special features from 1999. They've mm-hmm. got everyone back to re- revisit like what they liked about the movie, and mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool. Um, and then there's a steelbook on uh, at Best Buy coming out soon of it. Really? So sweet. Which was 4K. I but... guess 20th anniversary. I'm like, yeah. Why that's why <laughs> the, why would that come out right now? Pff, such a fucking idiot sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I got a Criterion called Vampire, uh, uh, directed by Carl. Um, Is it just Vampire? No, it's Vampire. Because see, there's a, a Y in there. You see, but why I vampire? <laughs> you you don't worry about it, Danny. You ask too many questions. <laughs> um, Danny Y E D. 
Vampire. Uh, okay. Um, but it was a film from uh, from 1932 by Carl Theodore Dreyer, who did Passion of Joan of Arc and other films of the era that like Criterion has obviously latched onto. Um, it's it's a vampire film. It's like one of the it's one of the earliest like horror films made, and it's made in in Swedish for French and German distribution. Um, Ryan. You've seen Nosferatu and you've seen Bela Lugosi's Dracula, right? Oh, yeah. So, but you haven't seen Vampire yet. So, I would say that Vampire is the most realistic vampire movie in terms of the beginning, like the the first ones made. What I say that is, is that it's like so contained and insular. There doesn't feel like there's a mythology there whatsoever, even though the basic story is a guy who is steeped in folklore and kind of like these myths of the past and the, the legends of vampires and demons and stuff. This is this small town and he comes upon a vampire legend that's in that town. Um, it's partially silent and part sound because it was a film that was made during the transition from silent to sound cinema. So there's very little dialogue. So it's mainly told through the visual element, that pure cinema thing. Um, I think it's really good. It's not my favorite vampire movie of like the earlier years because I still think Nosferatu is really good to watch, and I think Dracula from thirty one is obviously like the creme de la creme because Bela Lugosi. But this is one worth watching. It's not that long. It's about an hour and seventeen minutes, um, and there's some unique visuals being done for the period. Um, this was like a big restoration by Criterion because there was a lot of shit missing and a lot of stuff had decayed. So they had to like some of the title stuff they had to recreate digitally and you could not tell the difference. Um, and, uh, one of the things is there was an English language title card version that they had to redo completely because they couldn't find prints of it. So it, that's one that's only $40 that I got for the half off that comes complete with the script and everything. It's fantastic. Uh, so I would check that out. Um, I did movie theater day, uh, so I saw four movies in a single day. First up is Crawl. Uh, Crawl is awesome. I liked Crawl a lot. Saw that one as well. Oh, oh, were you going to talk? Shoot, sorry. I I should have done the one last. (laughs) Okay, Zach. You fucking asshole. (laughs) How dare you talk about the gator movie without me? (laughs) Talk about an alligator movie that I saw during a matinee. Um, I love how, uh, going back to the contained thing, I love how small this film is. It's like just, it takes, it's in the house. It's like a Sam Raimi Evil Dead movie, but with gators and hurricanes. Um, and uh, Barry Pepper is really good in it. Uh, the lead gal, Kaya Scofa something, I can't remember her name. She's wonderful. Um, the gators, I like. obviously there's CGI in there, but it feels like there's some practical stuff going on in there that I can't like pinpoint. Like Certain close-ups, maybe something's going on. Uh, but Alexandra Aja is really good with freaking C movies, apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's good at. I think he's great at directing suspense. Oh yeah. Uh, I think his hill has hills have eyes. If you can stomach that film, is pretty well made. That's a really good remake. I mean, it's it's brutal, mm-hmm. and you got to be, you have to have the right mindset to watch it. Have you seen How Tension? His uh, French yeah. film. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, my wife likes that one a little more than I do, but uh, I mean, I. He knows how to direct suspense, yeah, and he knows how to build tension. I mean, in, in Hills Have Eyes, when the mutants first come to the trailer, I think is pretty effective. Mm-hmm. And in this, you know, when you're dealing with you know crocodiles or I mean alligators that attack people, like ah, oh, this is you know hokey. But you know, there's a couple shots. Uh, I think the the looters in the convenience store are shot really well. Yeah, um, and 
he uses sound really well. The sound design in that movie is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that helps uh, the sound design and things like that with Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much of a hands-on producer he is, but he's. You can tell. You can see Raimi's influence in it through sound design. Yep. I think because um, I think that's one of his most um, forgotten trademarks in his films. Uh, whether it's the Evil Dead films or even in Spider Man. Um, his sound design in his films is really great, and yeah. I think that translates really well in Crawl. And it's a it's a movie that's fun. I mean, there's it's a ninety minute roller coaster ride yeah. in a house that's about to be flooded. And what's cool, it's I mean, it's violent. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't pull punches. You know, that's the one thing with these shark movies that have been coming out lately. They're PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Can we just see monsters eat something? I mean, that's what I want. Yeah, dude. Oh, friggin' Barry Pepper gets and, he gets an arm ripped off. Yeah, and, I mean, Barry Pepper's actually uh, <laughs> good too. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. He's wonderful. Like I say, like it's it's a fun movie. Um, and then I saw the last Black Man in San Francisco, um, which is um, a lovely, lovely film that I can't believe I missed when it came to the Alamo. Um, it's about two friends who are trying to fix up. Um, one of the guys' grandfather's house that he built during World War II um, because he didn't want to take a home away from an interred Japanese person. Um, and the film's essentially about how these people are trying to still live in the city of San Francisco um, despite the gentrification going around. Um, and uh, Danny, like, basically, like they don't really live in the house. They're squatting in it because the actual owners of the house um who got it after they lost it uh are in a dispute where they have to leave the house so it's open um and they refix it up they fill it with the furniture that used to be in there so it's about it's one of these films that's about like just kind of like how a city kind of changes and the people that get left behind and it's not i thought it was going to be about one certain thing and it ended up being about a completely other thing it's actually a movie about friendship um, and it's beautifully told. It's like a wonderful visceral poem that really talks about an issue without like shoving one particular thing down your throat, in my opinion. Um, Danny Glover plays a small role in it and he's really good. Mike Epps is in the movie and he's really good. Um, you have Thora Birch has a key- name in a while. I know. I, I saw him on screen and I was like, Mike Epps is in this movie. Um, and I saw it with Bueno and we both giggled at each other because we were just like, Mike Epps is in a movie again. Um, but, uh, so it's a wonderful film. If you can find it, I would check it out. Um, uh, and then I saw, uh, the spy behind home plate, which is a movie that I think everybody will love. It's about the catcher Mo Berg. Um, he played professional baseball for Cleveland and a couple other teams, but he was also a spy during World War II. Um, and it was actually responsible for getting one of the scientists out that ended up helping build the bomb. Uh, and his stuff was declassified. Now, it's not the best made documentary in the world. Like, cinematically, it's a little off and it's a little too packed with information. But if you pay attention, you get the story. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a nice, quiet afternoon film. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, that's all I watched this week. Awesome. Uh, so I've been gone for a few weeks. So I'm going to go in order. So it's going to uh, how I watched them. Mm-hmm. So I do my activity on my letterbox. So I don't lose track. Yeah, so, I just read you were busy saving babies and becoming a detec- detective. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I don't like to brag, but um, <laughs> I did save a baby's life this week, and I I was um, promoted to 
detective kind of. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I gotta. I think I got to take a test or something. But... Do, do, do I call you Detective Frost now? I am Detective Frost now. Do you have a secretary and solve mysteries in a <laughs> <No>. building? <laughs> Are you Sam Spade? That's all I want to know. No, but I did. Uh, a baby was choking on the side of the highway. And by the, itself? Uh, no, the parents called. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he called nine one one too. Uh, we, we we got a call from for nine one one, and um, obviously, I was actually having uh, I, was, I was having lunch with um, our records clerk, and it's funny beforehand because before we left, she said, "Well, what if you get a call?" I said, "Well, I guess you're coming with me." And so um, I was having lunch, and the call came out that there is a choking. They didn't say it was a child. It was weird. They said there was a choking on the side of the highway. And so I'm hauling ass there. And I mean, that could mean, like, in your head, you could think, like, oh, two people are choking each other. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, usually, well, if they page medical, it's probably, like, someone actually choking on mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I, I'm, I get there, and they're in the there's a chain-up station for semis. Um, and when I, when I get there, I'm looking. I'm like, oh, my God. It's a fucking, like, baby, baby. Seven-month-old baby. Wow. And so I, I, I throw my car in park and I get out and I run up and the mom is doing the right thing. So if a baby's choking, you hold it kind of like slanted down on your knee and you hit the, its back. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when it's your own child, sometimes you're not going to do it with the proper amount of force. Uh-huh. Um, so I saw what she was doing. So I picked a, I said, hey, let me let me see him real fast. And she says, really? I said, yeah, let me see him. So I grabbed him and I kind of turned him upside down and I squeezed him and it went, poo, this piece of apple that was huge. Mm-hmm. And um, the mom called me super cop. The grandmother called me her guardian angel. And um, they both hugged me. And the baby called you Batman. <laughs> and, and the baby went, goo, goo, ga, 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 I want to go home with you because my dad stood around and did nothing. But um, uh, no, I get it. So whenever you're confronted with something, it's my job to do stuff like that. Yeah. I can separate the two. However, when you're done, you realize, I mean, it was a chunk of apple and like the baby had blood coming out. I mean, it was intense why would they have an apple that young like was it like I, I, it wasn't I, mashed up right no i was like i don't have an answer for you i, yeah, just, no, I, I, know. I just save lives okay i no, don't know. I know um but no i i don't like brag about doing my job it's what i do so if i'm um, choking i call you right uh well i have saved two people through cpr and now i've saved someone a baby um <laughs> <laughs> officer frost um, some guy named zach eastman's choking but, you need your help nope not yeah, available but i have been having fun going around um saying you know what not all wear heroes wear capes sometimes we're all called to action and um but yeah i know it's it's the part of the job that i do that um i don't really talk about mm-hmm. because i don't know how to um i don't know how to handle that stuff if that makes any sense i don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. um because i mean i've I, I did CPR on one lady who was dead for four minutes and she came back to life. Um, I, I can't believe I told you this. This was like a year or two years ago. You're like Nicolas Cage and bringing out the dead. Yeah. Um, get back to movies in a second. Uh, <laughs> we, we, got a, we got a call for an unresponsive female. Um, and I went to her, her apartment. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen dead people, but they have a very specific look to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lady's face was blue and purple. And um, their eyes have this like cloudy grayness to them. And I look at her and she's in uh, her kids are with her. Um, and again, I can do things that other people can't. I mean, can I don't know if people can do CPR on their own mother. I would, but I've seen way worse. So yeah. um, she's lying on the floor and I check it. She doesn't even have a pulse, no heartbeat. So I do CPR on her for four minutes. And um, the medics, when they got is this is a crazy story. So. 
Um, I'm doing CPR on her and I can hear the medics. Obviously I can hear them in the radio and I can hear them coming in and I'll never, for, this is, I, I, so I'm doing compressions and I, I'm like, I didn't think I could save her um, because she's not responding at all. And so I'm just doing compressions, doing compressions and the medics walk in and this is the crazy part. As soon as the medics walk in she goes, <gasps> and so she like pops out of it and then they uh, started like hooking her up to a monitor and like fluids and she just started coming back. She didn't lose any like brain activity or no, anything. No, like so that? she went that we called Flight for Life, and by the time she got to where the helicopter landed at the baseball fields in Idaho Springs, uh-huh. she was talking normal. Ooh. And so she went to the hospital and um her doctor said she he doesn't know. She was dead for four minutes. I guess six minutes is I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like six person. or seven minutes. Yeah, I'm not a medical minutes. person. I don't know. But he told her if I didn't start doing CPR as fast as I did, she'd be dead. And um, but yeah, she started talking normal. She was out in two days, and uh, she got a tattoo of um, like uh, I don't know the heartbeat monitor shit, the flatline. Yeah, the the but EKG. Flat, yeah, EKG. Yeah. Um, so she got that with a date on it, and she calls me her angel as well. Um, and then she called you later and said, "I talked to a ghost." Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I do stuff like that, dude. That I, don't really, I, don't, I don't really talk about it, but. You're right. Cary Grant is the best actor. You know why? Because you're a fucking hero. You need, need to do an entirely separate other podcast of like all your police stories. <laughs> yeah, I do have a lot of them. Um, Files from Police Squad. I mean, I, I mean, I've also I've done that twice with CPR. This guy had a heart attack, and so you usually don't have that kind of success with CPR because mm-hmm. once you're doing that, it's, it's why did she pass out? They they don't know. Mm. So sure, her heart stopped and everything. She thinks she's a she was a nurse or um, helped uh, elderly people in hospice. Um, she thinks she drank too many energy drinks because mm. um, she doesn't know and the doctors don't know. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, I stopped a, a girl from jumping in front of a semi one time. Um, you remember that one? Yeah. That's what I do. I, I don't. It's just reminded of role models where they have the energy drink, taste, like taste the beast or whatever. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she tasted the beast one too many times. Exactly. And so, yeah, they don't know. It's weird. <laughs> um, the baby. Yeah. So. That's what I do. And that little boy that Brian saved grew up to be. <laughs> Sorry, what did you watch this week? Oh, uh, hang on. <laughs> the the chief. So uh, to to get uh, to get promoted, you have to get approved through city hall because I'm a government employee. Mm-hmm. So it comes with a raise. Okay, now you're bragging. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty. <laughs> so that has to be approved through city hall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've had a good week at work. Um, because when you, when you, you're a cop, you see people always at their worst. And I, I try to tell this to people whenever I arrest them or whatever, every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. So I live in a small town and I police a small town. So we might have problems today, but doesn't mean we'll have problems tomorrow. Yeah. And I also tell everybody, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. So no matter what I do or where we go from here, you have your day in court. Mm hmm. Say what you have to say. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. And you can you have a right as a United States citizen, and the Constitution affords us this right that you're innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Um, so I always try to look at it that way. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it, it makes up for all the times that I have to deal with people calling me names, um, people not liking me, um, being cussed at, being just berated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you save a baby's life, it makes it worth it because yeah. that's what I really do it for. 
I do it to um till that baby grows up to be a criminal. <laughs> yeah, then fuck that kid. Um anyways, uh back to what I actually did this uh other things I did. So I watched uh Cary Grant's first movie called This Is the Night. Mm-hmm. In it he plays an Olympic javelin guy. He comes back and finds his wife is having an affair with somebody else. And he's barely in the movie. Yeah, he's barely in the movie. He has some okay moments. Um but it's not a Cary Grant movie. And is that this sometimes when they do in Hollywood where it's um like a really old dude and the female is like 22 and he's like 60 it's almost like it's, um, it hasn't changed at all no um <laughs> but it's it's different now but it's really bad back yeah then. And, i mean the movie is okay it's not that funny and they have um there's some weird musical numbers in it i can't describe the film um it's not it's probably my least favorite Cary grant film and i'm judging it on being a Cary grant film oh, yeah. um, the movie is still entertaining uh, the one thing I do like about the pre-code films is they're like an hour and ten minutes long each. Yeah. So that's why I've watched a lot because I can burn through them really fast. Yeah. And they're entertaining enough where, you know, it's a – and pre-code is, ooh, risque. You see, like, girls' legs and their shoulders. And, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you saw Nip, but not that much. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I have seen a few where they change behind, like, Kurt, uh, what did they call the – Foldy things from the early days. Oh, um, whatever. A, a, a curtain. So they, something screen. Yeah, something. I can't remember. Changing so I watched screen. that. Yeah. Uh, well, I might be right. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, he's okay in it. Um, he's not given a lot to do. Uh, a lot of early Cary Grant stuff. He's always the dude in the tux who has his hands in his pockets. Um, but it's, it exists. Um, it's a comedy, right? Yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's some funny that's why it's, that's why it's got musical numbers. Yeah, in it. that's what they did uh, because just... it starts with what scans where her dress gets caught in a car door and the car drives away, so she goes down to her bloomers. Oh my! And so it's like her, I, the song is like she got caught, her dress got caught in the door or something, and that keeps on repeating. <laughs> It keeps repeating throughout the film because she keeps on getting her dress ripped off. Oh, she got a dress caught in the door. It's basically what it is. <laughs> and everybody's singing, it's all right. Uh, I watched Annabelle Comes Home. Um, it's atmosphere is really good. Um, I think the movie is suspenseful. I, I never get why no one really dies in the Annabelle films. It's all just, ooh, here's a scary doll. Um, Wait, it, Creation had a death or two. Right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, in this one, no one. I don't remember anybody dying. No, but that's not the point. The no. point is we've got to clean up the house before mom and dad get home. That's yeah. the point of the movie. Um, I watched uh, Homeward Bound with my son. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. <laughs> it's all right. Starring Don Amici as a dog. Um, I still like the stuffed like mountain lion that gets launched into the water. It looks so fake. It made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kellen really likes it. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is fucking amazing. Um, there are so many layers to that film that it, when I, when I watched it, uh, the Spider-Man fan of me, uh, gets giddy, uh, when Spider-Man's fighting in the carnival or the light festival and he shoots his webbing and he hits the hologram projector, even though you already know Mysterio is going to be a bad guy that it hits hologram projector. I'm like, (gasps) he is a bad guy. Um, that the the way they do Mysterio's costume by the end of the film is pretty awesome. Where it's like it's the Mysterio costume, but like in just tech form. Yeah, and th- there's um, and Spider Man goes through and he punches him. Mm-hmm. That's directly a panel from a comic. Um, when Spider Man is going through uh, the illusion, there's John Romita callbacks from Amazing Spider Man sixty six. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, the journey of Peter Parker in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really cool to me. Um, I, you know, he's losing father figures left and right. And then I, I love uh, 
I'm sure everyone else caught this, but I love the um, the hidden. I don't know what you'd call it, but when he comes back from his trip and his aunt asks him where his luggage is, he's like, oh, it blew up. So he mm-hmm. lost all his baggage. He lost his uncle Ben um, and all that stuff. So his baggage is left behind because mm-hmm. um, he, he thinks he can be okay. Um, and I think Mysterio is such a cool cinematic villain. Um, I, he that might works be, really well. He might be one of my favorite villains other than um, Killmonger and Black Panther. Yeah, because he's just – and his backstory, weaving him into Tony Stark is pretty great. Um you know, because it's Quentin Beck's not even his name. I think they allude to because he says because he created Quentin Beck as well. Is that his um, name in the comics? Yeah, so that's Mysterio's name in the comics. But I don't think that's the the real name of the guy who's Mysterio in the movie. Yeah, and they brought back Ralphie from Christmas Story. They brought back <laughs> Ralphie, and yeah, so there's cool bringing back those characters. I, you know, I never thought I would see Mysterio in a movie, let alone him having a comic book costume. And, I mean, Tom Holland is Spider-Man, and Peter Parker is great. Uh, the story with him and MJ is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it, it's hard for me to be subjective to Spider-Man because I just love the character so much. And they'd really have to screw him up pretty bad for me to be like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I love John Favreau in that movie a lot. And John Favreau is great. Uh, the whole movie is great. I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt. What I thought we were sharing. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's a really funny part, too, at the end. He's like, what's going on? And his Aunt May says, oh, it's just a summer fling. <laughs> and, and he thinks they're dating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Um, and even does Spider-Man does the like Iron Man dip hand in to make uh, it's moments like that. I just love. And he's the ACDC. Yeah. Oh, oh I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> just fun things. And then, um, of course, the return of a uh, Raimi Spider-Man character. Oh, yeah. When I saw, Ooh. when I saw, so I saw that the first time with an Alamo for all and people were like, oh, and I went a couple nights later in IMAX and it was pretty full and people were cheering and I, I knew that character resonated JJ, Jonah, uh, J Jonah Jameson. Um, but, and to recast him as not a newspaper guy, but an Alex Jones kind of guy makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And then the reveal of Mysterio telling the world who Spider-Man is, is pretty great. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, in the very end, you have scrolls. I'm like, wow, they're just... Because <laughs> the last... You know, Homecoming really didn't set up spy, uh, other films. But this one is saying, oh, well, here's the next phase. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was awesome. And I'll probably see it one more time. Um, Wait, just one, one more. more time? Okay, well. How's it in IMAX? Oh, it's fucking amazing. IMAX 3D? Uh, no, it's not 3D. Weird, right? Mm. Um, so, when I saw... For, so, I saw Alamo for All, and they turned the sound down. And they leave the lights on. And I mean, it's it still an awesome movie. So when I went to IMAX, I could feel the <laughs> the music. And I could... It, it, was, it was a way cooler experience. Yeah, the choreography of that whole bridge scene, too, is just like oh, yeah. spectacular. I mean, yeah. And him using the Peter Tingle um, <laughs> is great. <laughs> um, Do you think that'll replace Spider-Sense in the vernacular? Uh, no, I think it's just... <laughs> no, Spider-Sense is like... That's had 40 years to get itself in there. Yeah, man. I hope. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I love the film. And um, I yep. think it's my second favorite Spider-Man movie just because, like, that plot is so well. But, I mean, this is me talking. Yeah, so. me, you know, I, I'll always – it's hard for me because I, I like the character so much. Nothing will ever replace the first Spider-Man film that's experience still my, to me. That's yeah, still my favorite. Yeah. But I think Spider-Man 2 is the greatest superhero film of all time. So it's it's hard for me to explain. I I, I just love Spider-Man. Um. I saw Monkey Business with Cary Grant and Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is it's funny. It's Cary yeah. Grant is a absent-minded professor who's trying to create a potion to make people younger, 
and all it does is make Cary Grant get like a high and tight haircut, buy a sports car, and take Marilyn Monroe out for dinner. Um, Where can I get that potion? <laughs> no doubt. It's it's actually a pretty funny, cute movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Yeah, it, Cary Grant as a 20-year-old, mm-hmm. um, and Marilyn Monroe. You know, the thing with Marilyn Monroe is she could play the bombshell so well, the ditzy, but I'm still funny. Um, she knew her character, and she did it well. Yeah. It's a shame by the end of her life, though, she was trying to branch out, but she yeah, just had, she that, she had that drug addiction, man. Yeah, like, and uh, so, yeah, Monkey Business is actually a really fun, cute movie. Um, that's actually the name of a Marx Brothers movie, too, so when I first saw Monkey Business, that Cary Grant movie... I got it under the auspices that I was getting a Marx Brothers movie, yeah. so I was very disappointed. And it's first. called Monkey Business because they do tests on monkeys or chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. You know, you would never do that now. But so Cary Grant <laughs> is trying to figure out this found, uh, like youth potion, and so he leaves the his lab, and the monkey gets out and mixes it for him. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> and he puts it in like the water cooler, <laughs> so everybody who drinks it comes twenty. It's it's silly, but it's fun. It's a fun flick. Um, one that's actually uh. The film that kind of got him going is called Topper, mm-hmm. and it, he plays uh, him and his wife are like the we're the fun loving drunk people that pass out in our car and I have to go to my board meeting, and um, he gets in a car accident with his wife and they become ghosts, mm-hmm. and they realize they it's kind of like Heart and Souls where they can't um, go to heaven until they help somebody. So Beetlejuice or Beetlejuice, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so they can't transcend until they help somebody, so they haunt this guy named Topper and because he's boring and he should be more fun. And so they try to introduce it. And then Cary Grant. So he did this before the awful truth or right after I can't, I can't remember. It's right before. Now. Yeah. So it's before, and he's really honing in his comedic skills in these films mm-hmm. and he's fantastic in it. I'm um, surprised it took you this long to get to Topper. It Topper's well, a really good flick. Well, Topper was a hard Blu-ray to track down. Yeah. So I waited, um, because it's by VCI. I don't even know who that company is. It's a company that I don't know, but they got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was always $25, which mm-hmm. is kind of expensive. And then I waited and I waited and I kept on checking Amazon like w- once or twice a week. And I finally found it new for like 16 So how was the transfer? It's actually pretty good. I mean, it, has, it comes with a trailer and the transfer. So it's pretty good. They kept they keep saying restored and whatnot. And I'm just like, I don't know this company. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'll let you borrow if you want to check it out. I would because I haven't seen Topper in a while. So um, I watched uh, She Done Him Wrong, which is Mae West. Is that, I think it's her first film mm-hmm. um, or her first film being Mae West, if that makes sense. Um I think that's the one you're looking for, sweetheart. Yeah. Um, so she, the movie is pretty fun. Um, in it, um, Cary Grant's not in it too much. Um, but he, I, I was reading that he kind of got pissed because she said that she discovered him and he's already made films before this. And so she took credit that, uh, if he can talk, I'll put him in my next movie or however she says. So it's funny because she done him wrong is, a really risque movie and it seems every line is to set up a Mae West counter line. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a part where she walks through like prison and she goes by every cell and everybody knows her. And so they go, Hey baby, what are you, what's shaking? Oh honey, why don't you come up to my room and you can find out the stuff like that. Um, come on up and see me sometime. Yeah. So that's like one of her most famous lines saying yeah. that to Cary Grant. Yeah. Um, Either that or W.C. Fields, and they also famously didn't get along either, so. Yeah. It's almost as if, though, Mae West was a very difficult person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched uh, Biography, Chris Farley, Anything for a Laugh, which um, isn't quite as good as uh, uh, I the am Chris, Chris Farley. Farley show, or I Am Chris Farley. Yeah. 
Um, the I am Chris Farley is a little more um, intimate. Mm-hmm. This one's more of a biography of his life. However, it, you know, it tugs out your heartstrings when um, uh, John Goodman talks about Chris Farley and his addiction and he can't finish the interview mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. Um, so that's, you know, it's funny, too. And it's sad. Uh, I rewatched Silent Hill, which is a horror film from 2006. Um, stories garbage, but the visuals are really great. Did and you get on the video game? Yeah. Did you get the screen? I did. Oh. Um, some of the CGI doesn't hold up as well, but some of it does. The dialogue is garbage, and it's also over two hours long. I think it's a little too long. Um, but the imagery is really well done, and I think that's the most important thing in a Silent Hill, whatever. Um, so the Screen Factory does it really well. Um, if you want to pick up, it's a two disc. It has lots of interviews on it. Um, it's a really well made disc. I'll get back to doing Scream Factory Crypt. I promise. Um, uh, the second May West Cary Grant film, Omno Angel, actually liked more. In it, she is a circus lion tamer, and Cary Grant is a guy who's trying um, to marry her, mm-hmm. but then he gets upset because she has a lot of gentleman friends. And then so he's, again, it's a way West movie. <laughs> yeah. So back then, I guess you could sue somebody for breaking off an engagement. Yeah. Um, so he sues her. Breach of promise. Breach of promise. Yeah. And so they go to um, trial. And so she's having all these guys come. Out. She's like, no, I was faithful to you. And uh, it's really well done. And then he, Cary Grant has this great moment where he says, you're not going to ask her these questions about it because it's not fair to her. And mm-hmm. uh, there's it's a I thought it was a, a lot better. It seems like she's still the kind of the same character, but she honed it a little better. Mm-hmm. It's the second movie that year that they did together. Um, it's just a little more tight and concise. Um, she does get better as she goes along. Yeah. Um, my favorite film I watched these last couple weeks is um, a Cary Grant film called The Hawk, and, The Eagle and the Hawk, which um, we already mentioned uh, F- Frederick March. Um, in it, It's a World War II fighter pilot movie. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's called the Eagle and the Hawk because one guy's the gunner and one guy's the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one guy is watching and I think they call him the observer in the film. Um, and Cary Grant is a, a cocky observer and um, his rival is the best pilot that the British have. And he's almost like a British Tom Cruise. Yes. <laughs> um, they don't like each other. And so it starts off as this, a rivalry and um, like rush and uh, <laughs> and Cary Grant goes away for a little bit and then it just focuses I can't believe I can't remember the pilot's um, the character that he plays um, I can just look it up right now I'm literally looking at it so Frederick March plays um, oh yeah uh, Jerry Young mm-hmm. and for about 20 minutes he keeps on losing his observers they keep on dying in the war and he starts suffering from PTSD and then um Cary Grant, who plays Crocker, shows up and he's the best observer there is. And they don't get along. And, you know, he's like, what are you always crying about? You know, we got to go out there and kill bad guys. And it's a really great film. It it delves in. I, I, I've never seen a film this old. I think it's from 34, 35. Mm-hmm. It deals with um, PTSD and the effect war has on people. Mm-hmm. So Frederick March's character, uh, Pilot Young, he they go to the scene where him and Cary Grant are in the plane and they shoot down a blimp. And so the Germans jump out and Cary Grant kills them while they're parachuting down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, March's character has a problem with that. And they get in a fight and he's like, you don't just kill people because you don't like them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, they're the bad guy, aren't they? What if they come back? It's a really intense moment. And, uh, uh, young gets all these medals for, um, for his bravery. And then, 
he goes up and he doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want to deal with Cary Grant's character anymore because he's a hothead and he picks uh, this like 19 year old kid to be his observer. They go up and the kid gets killed. Mm-hmm. And um, so Young gets pissed and he follows the guy who killed him and he kills the other pilot and he comes down and they land and they find out the other pilots a kid too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I, uh, you know, I'm just killing kids is what I'm doing. I'm killing kids. Mm-hmm. And I'll spoil an 86 year old movie for you. Um, so they have this big toast and he gets another medal and he, why he gets another medal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so throughout the whole film though, Crocker and young are telling each other that they're the best. Mm-hmm. They have this, they hate each other, but they know that they're the best at what they do. And so like that frustrated admiration. Exactly. Yeah. So they have this dinner. Um, young gets up and excuses himself and, um, Crocker's looking for him and he goes, to um the barracks where the kid's bed is mm-hmm. and you know they fold it all up because they also have scenes where well one guy dies let's get his stuff out of here we got to put the new guy it's really fascinating and um uh young grabs a gun and kills himself mm. so carrie grant goes in there uh crocker and sees this he cleans him up puts him in bed he says oh he's already in bed sir mm. and then he puts him in a plane early in the morning and they go flying and uh he says he died in battle so i'm like I'm like, wow, this is a fucking deep movie. Well, um, it, this is on DVD, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's part to... of the TCM um, hard to find stuff, but I had it on. I got it in the Cary Grant Vault Collection. I may have to borrow this one. You should. You. It's or I may be able to find it too, but it's uh, so it's like twenty bucks by itself. Ugh. I'll let you borrow it. Yeah, um, I want to see this one. Like, because yeah, there's not there are not a lot of films from that era that that tackled ptsd in a way like and i and believe me i wouldn't have been able to identify this like say 10 years ago but yeah. like as a like in recent years i've started seeing how films do it mm-hmm. and very i've i don't think i can think of one off the top of my head that does it well from before 1960 yeah it's it's a great film it's it's one that i i told you i i didn't make my top 10 carry grand films so i think it's really hard to get into there mm-hmm. but it's probably one of the highest rated ones i've done in a while me personally, and it's just it's really well made. Yeah, there was and a... it's sad, and it's I mean it's heart wrenching, and you're like, wow, this is a deep subject matter, and um, everybody should see the Eagle and the Hawk. Um, uh, so just two more. Uh, Madam Butterfly is um a really tough one to watch because it's all white people playing Orientals, and they canceled, <laughs> and they don't. It's not as bad as Breakfast at Tiffany's, but you know, they'll say stuff like, okay, I'll go get this. I'll find you right now. Mm-hmm. And you go, wow. <laughs> and, the, but the story is interesting. Um, it's about a geisha girl who, um, their husbands are picked for them. And, uh, she's supposed to be married to, um, this guy. I forget, but the guy who runs it, his name's Goro, like mortal Kombat. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so he's, she's supposed to marry this one guy, but Cary Grant is on shore leave. She doesn't want to. Cause he has four arms. Totally. <laughs> Uh, he's on shore leave from the Navy. And so, uh, his friend says, well, yeah, you just marry him. And then when you leave, you divorce him and it's, they don't care in, you know, this culture. So Cary Grant, um, marries this girl and, um, he has fun and he doesn't have, he ends up really like loving her and kind of falling in love with her. Um, but he doesn't have the heart to tell her that he's going to leave. And, uh, he also has a fiance in San Francisco. So he leaves and says, I'll be back. And he never comes back, and they show him getting married to his um, girlfriend in San Francisco, and it's so it's now it's also like a really famous opera. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I was wondering if this was the same thing because um, 
there's some older, there's some later Jack Benny episodes where they have one of the stars of the Metropolitan Opera who was doing Madame Butterfly at the time. Yeah. So, it, yeah, here's, here's more spoilers. So he eventually does come back to Japan and you find out that he has a kid with this girl and that he, she never tells him about because she's like the dutiful wife. Oh, that's, that's, I'm sorry. I'm looking at a still frame of that. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, her name's like Sylvia something. So, he, uh, so he goes and sees her and he says, I'm not coming back. And, um, and so she never tells him that she has a boy. She sends the boy off to live with her grandparents and she kills herself because she can't love him. I'm like, whoa. All right. Um, it's all right. It's, it's pretty it's, operatic. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very interesting film. And the last one I watched was uh, The Woman Accused. Um, Cary Grant plays a guy who is marrying this woman. And she's her ex-boyfriend is uh, like a mafia mobster. Mm-hmm. And she calls. Uh, so Cary Grant says, we're going on a cruise, baby. And pack your baggage. And so he leaves for a little bit and the her old lover comes back from Italy and he moves to the penthouse above her. So she goes to see him and he makes a move on her and he she hits him with like a marble statue and it kills him. So she like runs down and tells her maid. So the maid runs up and cleans it up so you can't tell that she was there. Mm-hmm. And they go on a cruise together and um, the uh, one of his friends is trying to get a confession from her. And they introduce this character. Uh, what's his name? I forget. He's like a hitman for the mafia, and he'll kill people. And he was supposed to kill Cary Grant's character. Mm-hmm. And they have this big meeting at the end of the movie inside the DA's office. And uh, he says, who's this guy? He doesn't look like a professional to me. And Cary Grant pulls the gun out of him. He says, what kind of guy carries a gun? And he says, you never know who you're going to meet, like a real like shyster. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so that guy leaves and... Um, the, they're debating if they're going to charge her with murder because, you know, she killed this guy. So Cary Grant convinces the DA. He says, you know what? I'm going to go see. I'm going to go get you the evidence that you need because I know that uh, the henchman guy is lying. So in total non-Cary Grant style, he shows up at this dude's apartment and um, he says, you know, you weren't there. You never recognized her voice. And he says, yeah, what's it to you? Like, you know, talking to him. Mm-hmm. And so the dude, uh, so Cary Grant says, you know what a rawhide is? And the guy says, what do you mean? So he takes out this whip and the guy takes a gun and Cary Grant takes it from him and beats the shit out of him with his whip, <laughs> drags him to the DA's. I was like, you tell him, you tell him you don't know who he is. He's like, oh, I don't know who she is. And he has all these cuts all over his face. I'm like, holy shit. They like show like Cary Grant beating the shit out of this guy. This is one I haven't seen yet. Yeah, this is, a, no, yeah, this is one I'm going to have to check out too. Yeah. yeah Just watch him beat yeah, the shit yeah. out of somebody. Apparently. Yeah, every time I see Cary Grant beat somebody up, I'm down with it. I mean, he's punched people, but not like yeah. full on assault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mr. Lucky, he does it too. He's not really the good guy. Mr. Lucky. Mr. Lucky's a great film. Which is the one that had Lombard in it that you were telling me oh, about? Oh, so that's uh, the Eagle and the Hawk. So Eagle and the Hawk does have Lombard. So okay, now I definitely it, need to watch she's it. She's in it very small, though, and she has a great role, though. Mm-hmm. So she, um, when Young has, so the general gives him, or sergeant or whoever gives him the, a break because the PTSD is bothering him, mm-hmm. he goes to uh, London to have a date with her. Yeah. So she has a very small role, but she's really good in it. Mm-hmm. And she does this scene where um, he, she, the way she looks um, at him is, is really great. She's a, uh, well, because you texted me that night and I was just like, I was mainly just like, I saw Carol Lombard. And I'm like, let me tell you the story I know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but no, yeah, that she's an actress that I like watching, but that must've been an early one for her. Oh yeah. I think so it's 32, 33, yeah, 32 they, to 34. I can't remember. And that might've even been pre her accident that scarred her face. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Cause then, cause every film you see after a certain point, she has, a, she has just a tiny scar on her face 
it's because they did massive reconstructive surgery after a dead, almost deadly car crash. Yeah. So um, she was a wonderful actress, though, yeah. and um, our one of our first national heroes during World War Two. Yep. Raised the most money ever for U.S. bonds. Yep. And then she died on the way home. Yeah. Let me know what you think of that book, by the way. I will. Read it, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, that is all I watched in three weeks. Did you already talk about Child's Play? Oh, I did talk about Child's Play. I totally skipped that one. That was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was really curious about what we thought about it. Um, I thought it was meh. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's interesting. My wife brought up a good point um, where Chucky's missing his soul in it. And I know that's what he's trying to do throughout the film. And I was like, oh, he kind of doesn't. I mean, not, Mark Hamill's portrayal is fine, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have that personality. I said that, too. It's like you, I, you can kind of ex- excuse his murders because it's not a person doing it. Exactly. It's, a, it's an AI. It's a bad code. Yeah, and that's, you know. Although, My wife's point, you know, it's interesting. Although I will say, he keeps repeating stuff back to people. So, and it's Mark Hamill. Maybe he's doing a trolling thing. Maybe that's the character that is I mean, a there's, troll. There's things that work in it. Uh, I think that are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea is interesting. Um, it makes sense for modern times. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It, yeah, but there there is something lost. Um, it doesn't make sense for modern times. That's a Charlie Chaplin movie. Yeah, but yeah, it's all right. Like I don't think it was great. I don't think it was horrible though. I think there are good moments in it. I think yeah. the I think the moment with the self driving car at the end of that sequence when yeah I think that's a great yeah Chucky you know, kill. Sometimes I have problems with like portray- I'm in the profession. There's no cop going to show up and arrest one. You can't arrest a child and two handcuff them and like handcuff them to like a shelf. Mm. It's it's a movie. I know. And Brian T. Tyree Henry Henry is just doing the best he can because he lives with an overbearing mother. No, the editing of the, the fight at the end was yeah, so, really, like all over the place. Like, it was like something was missing. I agree too. It yeah. seems like, and there really wasn't that much violence in it. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't kill that many people. Yeah, uh, I don't, the worst part was when he killed the cat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the worst thing he did because the other people fuck him. <laughs> the you know the adulterous dude and. His friends were I shooting. liked the way that uh, that scene was shot with him oh, getting no. the Christmas leads down. Oh, no, that was pretty awesome. I, I don't know if the payoff's that great, but... It was fun. You know. Um, I like that he brought him a present of his severed head. See, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. and, and I like that the whole reason he does it is because, like, well, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah. don't throw that argument back in my face. It's lovely. I, it's, that's a good moment. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's fun. And I like Barry McCrary's score in the movie. Yeah. The music's great. The music's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll wait till it's like, <clears throat> you know... Nine dollars, and I'll get it. You know, complete my Chucky collection. Yeah, there you go. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we rewatched The Lion King. <laughs> Brad, should people go see The Lion King? Yeah, this review is going to be really short because, um, yeah, it's basically a photorealistic version of the animated movie. There's very little different stuff in it, so I will say it, it is impressive, but I think it lacks the charm um, of the animated version, but. Uh, still visually like impressive just blew me away and i saw it in 3d so oh is it good in 3d uh yeah it, it i mean it's, it's this the 3d is pretty standard like there's nothing like oh wow that like that deserves to be in 3d <laughs> it's not like when you see you know Endgame and even the uh bow and arrow at the beginning with hawkeye you're yeah. like wow this looks amazing yeah like stuff's just in 3d but mm-hmm. like it's also a little bit fuzzier because it's in 3d mm-hmm. so the photorealistic stuff still was impressive despite that so nice Zach? Um, it's it feels like Ice Cube walked into the production meetings and said, "Do the same shit," because uh, that's what this is. Um, I don't think you need to go. Uh, the visuals are impressive. It's beautifully shot. 
It's well directed in the, like I said, in the visual sense. The Caleb Deschanel's cinematography is excellent. There's something missing in those performances for me. I don't feel like the interactions are the same, and I think there's something missing when you don't have them animated in that traditional Disney style. So when you're trying to do it photorealistically, it's something that the Jungle Book didn't have a problem with that this one somehow seems to and i can't pinpoint it just yet i don't think you need to go but uh again that's just me uh yeah so he here's the problem it's the movie is fine it's beautiful Mm -hmm. um but to piggyback on both you said there's something missed in the expressions Mm -hmm. in the performance of the animals um i i mean you you're watching and you're you're basically watching a National Geographic version of the Lion King, and that they're able to pull this off is pretty freaking amazing. The backgrounds are CGI too, right? I think so. Yeah, I can't tell. I can't tell. Um, and I I will say there's something really funny about Seth Rogen laughing as Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. I remember when he first I was like, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. And I think Eichner's um, really good. As oh no, Timon I think Timon too, and yeah. Pumbaa are really great in the film. Yeah, um, they tweak their stuff a little bit uh, enough because. Um, I, I I had this really funny guy sit down next to me, furious face piercings, tattoos all over his face, five finger death punch, <laughs> sat, uh, shirt, sat down next to me, and as soon as uh, the circle of life started, he started singing along. I'm like, oh great! <laughs> but then I realized that he just really loves the Lion King, and he was crying like hardcore when Mufasa died. Here's a trailer for freaking Lion King. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. Everything you see exist together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Run away, Simba. And never return. Take your place in the circle of life. If he really loved it, he would have got a Lion King tattoo. I, uh, he might have one. I don't know. But I was like, man. He's, he's got a lion tail tattoo down his leg. Because uh, he's really into it. I'll never forget you know, the the part where Timon and Pumbaa show up. I mean, it's still in the animated film, too, so it's not shocking. And, you know, the I mean, the way Favreau shot it, though, was really cool, where it's kind of um, the 
heat wave thing and it takes a little bit for you to adjust to it um and he like sat up and rubbed his hands together i said oh he's a timon and pumbaa fan all right yeah and he really got into um you know when timon was singing in the jungle i go huh or the lion sleeps tonight whatever the fuck the name of the song is like, all right yeah, uh yeah the lion sleeps tonight yeah said, you know what usually people like that annoy me but he was really into it and I respect that, that he didn't care that he was into the Lion King and he didn't look like he would give two shits about it. He wasn't making fun of it. It was no, generally appreciative of it. generally appreciative. And so that's okay. I don't mind that interaction. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, you know the story and you're just, now you're just watching photorealistic animals do it. Yeah. Like, so I want to bring it back to Jungle Book for a second. Like, I, I wonder if because the reason I love the Jungle Book one as much as I did is because since there's a guy or like an actual kid there to work off of, it makes the story more believable or something. There's something disconnecting for me, but also because he's going for such a photorealistic approach, I feel like you can't have your performance cake and eat it too with the visual because something's going to be missing with the delivery of the lines combined with the face that they have. I th- it can, yeah. I mean, I I think so. I think um like Scar is great by Chitwal Elchifor, but it doesn't there's feel something as missing in that performance though because he's trying and uh, he's Especially trying to be prepared song like yeah, it, it felt like he was just saying the words. Yeah. And I get you don't want to make it you make it your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're following and you're following. I think Jeremy Irons' scar is so great because um, there is a menace to him mm-hmm. that I didn't get from um, the new one. And he also didn't have my favorite line. And he says, "You know, hey, Uncle Scar, guess what? Oh, I, I despise, despise guessing, guessing games." games. <laughs> and then you know, towards the end of that exchange, he says, "When I'm king, will that make you Uncle Scar a monkey's uncle? A monkey's uncle?" And it's just. I miss that. But, I mean, the scene with the mouse and him chasing it looks awesome. Um, Life's not a part fair, of- is it? Where, like, James Earl, one of James Earl Jones's lines early in the movie um, felt like like the audio changed a little bit. I, mm. It almost felt like they ripped it off of, like, a track from the 93 <laughs> yeah. version just to get it in the movie because they couldn't re-record him, possibly. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, like you were saying before, it felt like some of the line deliveries didn't match the facial expressions yeah. of the animals because you can't. Exactly, and that's where it. it like here, there's parts where some characters are really excited, but it doesn't come across unless you. Do, yeah. Without the. Vo- You're right, and yeah. it's, and it's hard because the movie is. It, so I give I give the animated Lion King just five stars. I give this one three and a half because you you've lost something, and not the story is the same, but there's something lost when you don't have the expressions from the animals, and it, it's visually stunning. I mean, there's. I don't think I've ever seen a better looking film, um, but it, just because it looks good, I think is it, is it the perfect analogy of because it looks so great that there's an emptiness to it? You're saying it's the midsummer of Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hereditary. I always worry that the more we get into like converting all these animated, like animated movies are an abstraction of reality. Yeah. Um, so I, I worry like younger generations as we show them like, all their favorite cute stuff, but yeah. all photorealistic real. Everyone like is going to be trained to accept or interpret things very literally. Hmm. That's and like lose a bit of imagination it, in their lives. I think you might be on something, but you know, when I see the trailer, for, I think Mulan looks cool. But I think Mulan There's people in that. Yeah, I think <laughs> they're, Mulan they're, translates better. Yeah, and it, and also it looks like they're going to turn it into a badass action movie. Yeah, and the, you know, 
and I think Shere Khan in the, I think the Jungle Book works better because I think the performance is better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like Chitwell a lot. No, I, it's, just, it, I just feel like yeah, I agree with you because I feel like there is something. It's not that he's bad in it. It's just there's it. It just might be because Scar looks too real. Yeah. And I, and and I, you know, Timon and Pumbaa and Zazu look awesome. They do. Yeah. Um, and Those I are like, probably my three favorite characters in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked the uh, head hyena. I don't know who played her. I think she was really great. Oh, I can't Alfred remember. Uh, oh, hyena. No. No, no, no. no Alfre Woodard is... Um, but then, you know, yeah. Keegan-Michael Key, you can pick him out. You know, his voice is too he, distinct. He's, he's still fun, though. But that's the same with the hyenas in the original. Like, it's Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, and uh, Jim Cummings is Ed. <laughs> but, yeah. But they're trying... I don't know. I mean, I like Keegan in the film, but he's not like in it that much to like stand out that much. Yeah, that's the thing is I don't. um, I I think I think Seth Rogen and um, Billy Billy Iger stole the show. Yeah, because they they agreed. They they, for some reason they totally bought it. Mm -hmm. Shenzi. Uh, Yeah. Shenzi. Yeah. yeah. Florence Kasumba. Oh, I've never heard of her. But she's great. I think she's the best villain in the film. Mm hmm. Um, and then also, um, and like, like I said, though, like I thought when John Oliver got cast, this was just to play into a joke that was on last week tonight. But he's good as Zazu. He yeah. really works as Zazu. And I told him she does never prosper. <laughs> she does never prosper. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't think you don't have to see it. I think if you want to see something that's visually stunning, uh, there's a worse way to spend, you know, two hours. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, like. I, I don't disagree with you because at the end of the day, it it's got all the songs in it. It's got a cool new song by Beyonce, and those, that's say, always totally. Of fun. all the these remakes where they add like a new song, this one was the one that stood out the oh, least. Yeah. Like it wasn't a, like a but it stood song. out the least, but it stood out from the rest of the songs. If that makes any sense, yeah, because it didn't seem like it fit. It felt new, but it felt like still appropriate for the movie. Whereas <laughs> like beating the beast and everything it's like oh that's clearly new <laughs> i will tell you i really loved one of my favorite scenes in the movie is how they handle mufasa in the sky oh um, yeah where it's yeah. not him in the sky uh it's just like yeah, that the, the, the thunder and the lightning I it, it lost some of because i think rafiki's um explanation to simba is needed for him to have the extra push it feels like it's shortened in this yeah, one because well, he you know he says um he said, "How oh, that hurts! It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes, the past can hurt. Oh yeah, they but, didn't do you that. know. And um, and I always loved the. And the original was like, look, hard. And mm-hmm. you know, it's he's basically saying he is Mufasa. And I think it was kind of lost in that one. Yeah, I, um, I missed the impact. Did uh, in the original one, did he? I felt like in. I haven't watched the original in a while. His first war, I thought, was at the end when he finally gets up on Pride Rock and like, after." All the hyenas and mm-hmm. scars gone. I think so. Can't but remember. in this movie, he figures out his war even before. Yeah, no, you're right. Because uh, I always thought that, that, that was away. a metaphor of like finding yourself. Yeah. Um, but he. I have to rewatch. He it, roars yeah. a couple times before he gets to that point in this movie. I'll tell you, they didn't put one of my favorite lines in from the original, which was, "Did you just call me pig? You call them pig? They call me Mister Pig." Yeah. Which is a, which is have which is a callback. Dress and drag and do the hula. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying it, there are it, things I want yeah. and there are things that I want. I mean, it, the VR <laughs> guest works, but it's just... That is great. Mo- they did that really I, well. I missed the, the luau. Yeah. But, you know, it's all right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no. It, it Like I say, it's... 
There are worse ways to spend your money and time. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, but, I, I mean, you don't have to rush out to see. You've already seen it, but if yeah. you want to see it be uh, impressed visually, then yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, next week we're seeing um nothing. I don't think there's anything coming. Next uh, week. Uh, we're seeing <laughs> once a time in Hollywood. Oh, um, okay. Cue a baseline and people yeah. talking about foot massages and it should be fun. And uh, um, Christoph Waltz says something witty. Oh wait, no, that's none of that's in this movie. It's it's gonna be awesome. It's right, oh man, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna miss Hobson Shaw because the 48. Are you really? <laughs> oh man, how, how are you gonna live with yourself? I don't know. All black Superman. Um, I like that song in the Hobson Shaw trailer, like that. Bum, 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 Every time bum. I see a trailer, I go, "Man, this movie is just fucking weird." It feels but, like it's a movie that has everything inserted yep. into it. Why not? Yeah, but then again, guys, Tango and Cash supposedly had everything in it, and then it had nothing. So yeah, uh, thanks for sticking by me through my three-week journey through movies. Hey, I got to hear um, a lot of Cary Grant stories, yeah, and I got right. to do a Mae West impression. That's what could right. be a better day than that? You know what? If you can, any day you could put in Mae West, it's a it's a good day. Come and um, podcast with me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. That's Bye. Terrible. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.